Filthy Armenian Adventures presents Los Angeles, A Reverie Under the Stars, our first live event on September 23. A night of magic, mirth, fire, and brimstone with some of the greatest people in the world, including Jack Mason from The Perfume Nationalist, author Adam Lair from Safety Propaganda, the one and only girl from Baku, Mommy Milkers, Borhazian illusionist Garin Hovanissian, DJ Boy Toy, and surprise friends to be named later. For tickets to the show and party, email filthyarmeniantics at gmail.com. That's filthyarmeniantix at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you entirely by the rug merchants, cigar singers, and oligarchs of the night who subscribe to us on Patreon. If this show touches you or means anything to you, strongly consider showing your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash filthyarmenian. You'll get access to more than twice as many adventures as you find on this free feed, including the most intimate and scandalous ones. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Live, laugh, bloop. You are listening to Filthy Armenian Adventures. You ain't nothing but a dog player. I get frog player. I get Las Vegas is not the only Sin City in the world, but it's the only Sin City I'm aware of that was intentionally built smack dab in the desert. Not on a pretty island, like Ibiza. Not by a sea, not by a river, not even by a lake or a swamp. Right in the middle of nowhere, east of Death Valley, south of hell. In America, we build our sin cities on the nose. In America, a gangster looks around the middle of nowhere and goes, what if we had South Beach minus the beach? And he opens the flamingo, where only the Mormons ever dared go. Now, the middle of nowhere is not... Of course, entirely the middle of nowhere. The middle of nowhere is a four-hour drive from Los Angeles. That's the thing about L.A. It's a four-hour drive from everywhere, biblically speaking. And this proximity to Vegas is profound. Vegas is a ricochet from Hollywood. Because even Hollywood needs its Hollywood. Even the last frontier needs its last frontier. Every stage needs a trapdoor. An escape hatch for the underdog. Last year, I did two adventures in Las Vegas. Number 19, Glenn Greenwald at the casino. And number 20, Lights, Porn, and Libertarians in Las Vegas with Nick Gillespie and John Stalliano. In the latter, I revealed my philosophical relationship with the city. And indeed, everybody has their own version of Las Vegas. 
constructed by that one time or the many times you've been there. And that version often changes as people get older and luckier or less lucky as they sober up or find other kinds of medicine. And it's often assumed that Vegas only exists as a weekend, as a narrative for visitors, as a self-contained drama of sin with a three-act structure beginning on Friday, ending on Sunday. But very recently, a new kind of perspective on Las Vegas has emerged. The perspective of a native. People are being born in Vegas now, and they are growing up in Vegas. It's not just Jimmy Kimmel like before. My guest in this adventure is a Las Vegas native. And she's not just a Las Vegas native, she's a woman. And she's not just a woman, she's a woman who loves women. Las Vegaspian, the last lesbian, perhaps. You don't hear too much about lesbians anymore. There's fewer than 10 lesbian bars in all of America today, down from 200 in 2008, when Rachel Maddow went on the air. I have blamed many things on lesbians. Why? Because they no longer exist. The vanishing lesbian is responsible for many problematic shifts in our pussy paradigm. But Vera exists. Boy, does she exist. She exists like few others her age do. She's not just the last lesbian. She's only like 24, 25 years old, and she has this elegance that would place her among one of the smarter members of the Algonquin table. She's a class act. She's a classy dame, and it makes total sense that in the vast gray desert of our times, such a flower would grow in Las Vegas. Because if you think about it, if you gamed it out, what would growing up in Vegas teach you? It would teach you to prize freedom. This is a place that offers nothing but freedom. Actual freedom and the feeling of freedom are the only natural resources here. So you develop a taste for freedom, a real taste, and you develop a hunger for beauty. An honest and straightforward sense of beauty. Because this is a place where you seek to create beauty out of ugliness, out of nothing. Where you seek to create paradise out of loss. And when you observe the cynical gamesmanship attitudes that grow around beauty in places where beauty is inherited, you raise an eyebrow and find it all to be rather spoiled and whiny. You can't afford that kind of rot when your job is to build gardens in the desert to create paradise out of loss. And if you do grow up in Vegas... It also makes sense that you might end up a lesbian. Because here women are still prized. They are prizes. They are exciting. They have glamour still. And the men, eh, they're sort of desperate. The men are thirsty. The men are maybe heroes, but they're thirsty heroes. It makes sense that you can still become a lesbian here. Vera totally vindicates everything I've always felt and proclaimed about Las Vegas. And today, she takes me to one of her favorite local spots, 
founder of Deja Vu, Harry Money's Erotic Heritage Museum. You ain't nothing but a player getting valeted, running that whole whip. Two fingers up, one down with my toes ten. Flewed out my boots, I'll put a cork in it. Love it when you be crying out when I'm corset it. I don't think he gon' make it. Do not let me start raging. I'm losing my patience. This ain't staying in Vegas. There's more sides to the story, I'ma tell everybody. Had your ass in court, side with your arm around me. Had your ass in first class, with your burnt ass out in Abu Dhabi. Could've been what we should've been, but you lost a bet, now you gotta find me. Find a seat, I ain't playing this hide and seek. High school, will you finally peek? Hounds all come find a treat. I'm a bad bitch, but. Getting enjoyment out of it because they're not there. Like, yeah, so, you know, that, my job was just being a hyper, hyper conscious goalkeeper of as much money as I could prevent from being <laughs> siphoned away. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. All right. I get it. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. Um, so for two, that'll be 58. Got it. Mm -hmm. no, of course. Okay, for you. And just leave it there. There we go. Uh, just need a signature. Oh. And would you like your receipt? No, thank you. All right. While you are inside the museum, photos are allowed. No cross, no recording, no live. Artifacts and mannequins. Okay. The museum is 24,000 square feet, two stories, and you ready to go in. Under this TV right here is your entrance and exit. Okay. Thank you. Live, laugh, come. <laughs> All right, let me take a picture of that. So, yeah, they changed it since I was here like two years ago, was the last time. They added this whole library area. They've, they've uh, made it scholarly. Yes. Well, they have some interesting stuff. It's kind of impressive. Yeah, they, they look like they have some uh, rare books in there. Yeah, they do. We can do that after or before whatever you want. Okay, yeah. This is the way to And how long has this thing been open? Does it uh, say inside? I, I'm not sure, but um, I would say at least 15, 20 years. So they definitely made some changes. I hope they kept some of my favorite things, though. I, um, Museum I, um, rules and etiquette. The Erotic Heritage Museum houses the largest collection of erotic art and artifacts in the world from all over the globe. Dating back as early as 1500 BCE. Oh, they gotta go with the PC BCE. Yeah, that's a new thing. Yeah. To pretend it's not about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. We could just. We could appropriate it and calling it before Christ's excellence instead of letting <laughs> them take true. that away from us. Help us preserve our erotic history by following these guidelines. No food, gum, or drink is permitted in the museum. No smoking or vaping. Do not touch the art or artifacts, including the display cases, interactive museum exhibits, uh, uh, selfie sticks or non-flash. Nothing against getting freaky, though. No rules. Yeah, they, no they rules discourage. Okay. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, they, they do oh, say no, don't, don't grope, lick, fondle, or fuck the exhibits, but that doesn't say you can't do it to each other. Yes, that's true. So there are loopholes. So they kept the political thing. 
Oh, here is Trump. And we have Bill, so they're being bipartisan. I here. see. <laughs> I, I really hope they're MAGA. Um, it's hard to tell. It's very scatterbrained, so it kind of just comes off apolitical. Why political parody matters. Political parody in the U.S. has been alive and well since the inception of our government is indeed one of the most important forms of it. Okay, we get it. This is a little bit... Yeah. We're talking about how in the U.S., caricature in particular seems to have been the earliest expression of political parody. Though Ben Frank... Okay, so they go on to give a little history of... Um, the importance of political parody, at least it's pro-free speech. You do get yeah. a very pro-free speech sentiment here. That's good. And so it's like in China, blogger Fang Hong, I don't know, yeah, was imprisoned. I know that guy. Later released and awarded over $9,000 when he mocked the Communist Party bosses police chief in a two-line poem. Egypt, television host Bassem Youssef, skewered President Mohamed Morsi, so often in his show sketches, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. good. So there's a pro, little pro-free speech thing about yes. it. Political. Yes, and then we have this kind of wall of shame about political figures who have had sex scandals. Um, War on women. War, who is this? What is this meant? Oh, I see. This is like Clarence Thomas. He was. Oh, these are just people who are accused. Yeah, it's like about the scandals and stuff. Um, but it's sort of making fun of. It's sort of like making light of these scandals, you know? Because yeah. it's got, like, the sinners. Yeah. It's got this, like... It's it's a sentiment, like, you can tell that some of this is dated back to the early 2000s, where there wasn't this kind of condemnatory thing. It was more like, haha, this is funny. Yeah. So... That was definitely the vibe when Clinton, the, th- the Clinton thing was happening. Yeah. There were, like, people were just... Nobody took it like seriously seriously like they just people liked it as an opportunity to expose the fact that he was a liar but nobody was like really you know he was saved by the fact that people thought it was kind of cool (laughs) yeah yeah basically so ooh this is gruesome the Countess Elizabeth woman where, you know there's that polio quote where she's like, there's no female Mozart because there's no female Jack the Ripper. Yeah, it's like, well, there was a female Jack the Ripper. And, uh... <laughs> um, and so with her, I believe, it's kind of unclear what was real and what wasn't and if it was like a witch hunt and how much she actually did, I think. Um, but people love a kind of vampirous scandal where she's like torturing new mile young women so it's kind of you know this titillating yeah thing so this doll cannot give consent do not touch her yeah don't have sex with the with uh, the murder doll, doll. yeah so yes yeah, they accused her of kind of like working in tandem with her husband yes um uh, they were to sexually torturing and killing hundreds of young women um between 15. And she, she was in a noble family, so there's some, uh, some people say that she, it was a kind of class resentment thing, and people were, like, witch hunting because she was rich, and they were, I like, I see, they mad. needed a scapegoat. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of unclear what really happened. She, in some sense, she was almost as persecuted as Jeffrey Epstein is today. Kind so, of, yeah. I guess. I don't, I mean, 
maybe she murdered more people and stuff. Maybe she didn't murder all of them. Maybe she had a few, got it out of her system. Yeah. You ever notice how, like, sex freaks or, like, cannibals, let's say, they never just stop at one. Like, you would think yeah. that one of them would, dis- would like, try out a... Eat, try out eating this an Asian twink or whatever mm-hmm. and then just be like eh maybe yeah. not for me well I guess they liked it I guess so also they gotta yeah. keep going and it's like they're still hungry in two hours because it's always somehow Asian victims in these in these oh, like cannibal cases where there's like oh. Luca McNada okay. or what's his name Dahmer most of his like you know they were like vaguely most Asian them, most of Dahmer's victims were there were not all of them but like you would think they were all black based on the way you would think that but the first one was like Laotian or whatever he was like an island boy yeah I don't think it was six to the ribs you know um so this is about the sex freak Nazis ooh and um tell us more oh Gobbles was a sex freak yeah so well that's the thing about the Nazis is that um the way that they're discussed changes over time depending on like the mores of the era and they used to be discussed in America as being like weird pervert sex freaks mm-hmm. and in like the past 30 years or so that's kind of died down and turned more into they were white supremacists but like the obviously they got up to some crazy stuff um, at this point they're basically just like a mystery meat villain that you yeah. can turn into whatever you need for the moment like, yeah, yeah which is so weird because it's not that long ago no. historically speaking it's not that long ago so it's weird that people like don't uh, seem to have any accurate perception of what happened it's pretty clear at this point that you know even five years ago is too long for even two years ago is too long for people, most yeah people. if it wasn't two seconds ago on the timeline they don't know it so <laughs> it's like you can happened. literally just turn all you need is a brand of evil that yes. you can just kind of fire up anytime you need. Yeah, exactly. That's where we're at. So Nazi family policies. There's a lot of Nazi books. Sex for procreation and the role of the mother in the Third Reich. Um, da 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 da. Hitler preferred women who were quiet, demure, and motherly. These attitudes are reflected in both Hitler's mind confidence and his speeches. Women are the eternal mothers of the nation. Women are the eternal companion of men. I mean, this is nothing shocking yeah. uh, Hitler's patriarchal views about women shaped Nazi policy and propaganda yeah this is so that's the thing about this museum that I think is kind of cute is it's very like Wikipedia um, <laughs> and kind of put together you can tell they're short and staffed in a way it's, yeah. it's a passion project and I love that about it because there's definitely a lot in here that people would consider problematic by today's standards Eva bronze panties yeah her real panties? Yeah. Oh, nice. Obtained by military soldier First Lieutenant D.C. Watts during the 1945 liberation of Berchtesgarten. And this and other items were sent back to the U.S. and hidden until 97 when Charles Snyder, a retired Air Force major who served in both Vietnam and Korea, obtained the collection from D.C. Watts for $3 million. Purchased a, da, 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 Iraq purchased the panties in June of 2015. And made them a part of the permanent collection. How much did they pay? I wonder. If I wonder. Panties. I wonder if they are clean or not. Yeah, I wonder how they smell. Can we sniff them? Can we no. sniff Everbronze? Probably not. <laughs> you know, loyal residue. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> so, and this is about the persecution of homosexuals uh, from the Nazis, which is something I don't know. You kind of see people talk about it, and you kind of don't. Um. um 
But then they always talk about how gay they were, and then yet they always talk about how they persecuted gays. And so I wonder. Yeah. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did both. Yeah, which is, you know, that makes sense. Like, it makes sense that you would, I don't know, but it feels like I just don't. The Nazis' murder of some homosexuals started earlier than that of the Jews. The murders of Ernest Rahm and other brown shirts, and da 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 da. Um, although the major reason for these murders was to eliminate a potentially rival force to the SS. Rome was a major Nazi leader, second only to Hitler as they rose to power in the 20s and early 30s. He and his cadre of brown shirts were homosexuals, which was not a problem at the beginning for Hitler, but later did prove an embarrassment and a threat. You see, I think this is the same reason they come after me and Jack, is because they want to take out you know, the real yeah. gay Nazi competition. The, which would actually achieve the yes, aims that yes. they're only that they only pretend to want, yeah, so exactly. they can cling to their mediocre power. Exactly, it's a recurring pattern yeah. throughout history. Um, Hitler, to me, has, he's a mediocre mediocrity. It feels like that he kind of like yeah. over, kind of like an overachieving mediocrity who had to like I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. I Hitler to me has like female to male energy like it comes off like he's like a trans man and has something to prove like it's kind of high vibration yeah (laughs) it's just kind of like off-putting because i mean i've kind of said this before like if you read a lot of these manifestos like they all seem the same like they all have the same kind of uh naggy energy yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I glanced over, and I know Jack and Zach read my comp. Yeah, Can you imagine? Great, I looked at, I, I glanced at a few pages at my local used bookstore, which always has a copy on hand. And yeah. I, I just like, there was like a, there was one section on trans, on like trans people. Oh, really? Trannies, yeah. There I've was only like read a, excerpts of it. And I was it's like, confusing oh. because there's like no chapters, but every like other page is kind of titled with the theme that he discourses upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at some point I saw like on the transsexual in that modern society and I tried I couldn't even make heads or tails of like what he was trying to say it's just a bunch of blather really yeah but I I don't get the fascination I mean I don't know I get the fascination obviously but I don't get the reverence for him Um, so but yeah so this the black solid triangle so which one's gay? Which one of the tri- which which the pink triangle included homosexual? Oh, the pink downward triangle. Yes. Included homosexuals, pedophiles, and zoophiles. Like they always group us in with the beast, you know. They yeah. always group us in with these freaks. That's not cool. Yeah, I mean, because you know, no. I like that there was a give us our own for asocials. Asocials, yeah. That, yeah, incels and <laughs> you know, weird, yeah, autistic spurgs. So that, yeah. Well, they had a purple one for Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, I didn't even know that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Wow. Uh, professional criminals were green. That's the coolest one. Professional criminals got the coolest one, the green area. Green, yeah. Uh, <laughs> triangle. So yeah, and Gypsy's got guy. brown. Gypsy's got brown. Yeah. Well, apparently it's problematic to say Gypsy's now. So. Which is what they... Oh, they're called Roma now? That's what you're supposed to say Oh, these days. They, they, they literally made Gypsy... They made Gypsy a slur. So it's does that mean I can say gypped since it's no longer uh, well, no, someone's now, literal now ethnicity? gypped is a slur too. Well, gypped was a slur before because it referred to Gypsy. Yeah. But now the Gypsy's no longer... So now uh, it's double bad. Now it's double bad. It's, okay. It's, it's not... It didn't cancel it out. <laughs> it didn't like get canceled I, out. You have to ask the people who come up with these okay. things. Okay. But yeah, I... Um, 
imagine a gypsy anti a gypsy defamation league. That would be a. They would have to organize that. Well, they'd first have to like stop trying to steal my money at <laughs> Esmeralda Psychic Shops. Um, okay, so these are just so paintings. These are just like German, like erotic art. I don't think they have any interpretive information. This is just like women just smacking other women in the ass, whipping them. Yes. Does this appeal to you in any way? Um, Sexually? Not quite. The caricatures are. Are a little bit. <laughs> quite bizarre. Bizarre, yeah. This is a cool one. Um, yeah, that's nice. I like this one. I wish there was more info. That's the thing. Like some of this stuff is just kind of put out. And you don't exactly know where it came from. Here's Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker. I do not speak German, so I'm not sure what the captions say. I like this one. Oh, it's just, yeah, the just whip. kind of poly uh, yeah. Amazonian kind of sexy. Redhead with a whip. That's Redhead fun. with a whip, yeah. When did you have your awakening sexually? Like, what was your are we first? Doing that discussion? Well, you are the last la lesbian of Las Vegas. In the whole world. Yes. Um, gosh, I mean, from a pretty young age, but you know, when you're young, you don't know what gay means. You no, don't yeah. know, like, you don't have the vocabulary for no. it. But I mean, I like I definitely found like my teachers pretty. Oh, nice. And all that, and so I have like pretty early. Yeah, so. It's honestly great when your sexual tastes and general outlook is informed by, like, you know, your leader, your life, your guide, your guidance, yes. guardians, <laughs> your, teachers, your guardians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. that's the healthiest. That means that you liked them, yes. and that you liked growing ups, and you liked it. Like you, you know, it's like a positive way of the world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a positive I, like entry into the world. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of uh, had your awakening a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 um, the I was born this way in the sense that I was born Republican, basically. But <laughs> it, it, I, it was by become being Republican that I turned gay. I think so. I, I took a very different yes. path. Yes. That went through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very late. I didn't know. I literally. I. I. I it it's, sounds crazy. But I didn't have the first conscious, like, wait, wait, what, thought, mm -hmm. until I never remember exactly the incident. It was a literal pinpoint mm -hmm. incident that happened at the Apple Pan Burger Place in Burger, old Burger Diner in um, L.A. Mm -hmm. um, on Pico. And I was 20, it was like the end of senior year of college. Mm -hmm. I was a few months from graduating, or mm -hmm. about to graduate. And that's when the very first, like, conscious thought happened. Mm -hmm. But if I go back before then, I could always point and say, like, I obviously was attracted to this so athlete, that athlete. Can I can look back and definitely tell that I, I was more interested in, ultimately I became more interested gradually in, like, the male performer in the porn scene. Yeah. Like, but there was all kinds of excuses for why that, at the time I was, like, very open about that. Mm -hmm. And everyone agreed with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Because I was identifying with the guy. And, and also people used to assume that everyone was straight, so, like, you know... You would, you 
wouldn't even think that. Like, no, you I, wouldn't. I it was, a, it was, it was yeah, unthinkable for me. I encounter a lot of I encounter a lot of boomers, and they 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 would think Liberace is straight, like because yeah. their Rock mind Hudson their mind people. doesn't go there. Yeah, yeah, like, they just can't. Their mind does not entertain that. So you know, it's kind of incredible. With I know somebody who thought Elton John was straight until he wow. saw him in Vegas wow. in his twenties. Yeah, that's really. It, it's just it's a, yeah it's it's really it's fun it's weird to like know like it's weird how suddenly it changed in my even in my world because even going to like public school on the west side mm-hmm. in LA when I as a peak millennial or whatever um, like it was just literally there were like three gays in the entire giant school you know mm-hmm. that anyone knew was gay yeah know? and it was just you know it was fully it was fully like. It was fully a, like a major weird thing to be. Yeah, and you, know? you like didn't want to be like them. Well, but I never even considered the possibility yeah. that it was like because I first of all had I was into women mm-hmm. all the time. There were several women that I was into, and mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't there was no need to there was no need to be forced into that mm-hmm. confrontation. If mm-hmm. indeed it was, if indeed it was as obviously solely the truth as it later became, I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's the case. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I knew from a young age, but I kind of just thought, well, I can just ignore that. Yeah. And then you, and then, but the thing is, then you like hit puberty, and then you're like, oh. That's the thing. That's I, the healthy way. Once puberty hits, it's a hits, harder to ignore. Yeah, I um, thought I could ignore it at the age of 22 <laughs> yeah. after puberty, and I, yeah. and then I went to DC for nine months, and that really drove it in further. Like DC is just so bad, like so, like so aggressively gay in a way like just really? spiritually in a bad yeah. way in a bad yeah. way like maybe it's a good way if you're already comfortable with being like DC seems very bleak very bleak and like very like predatory in a, in a sense you know mm-hmm. it's just spiritual I don't like the, the concept of predatory but All the there politicians. the politicians yeah. the secrecy the general misery of normal life mm-hmm. where the only outlet is you know this like the the most like the, the the most aggressively secretly deviant thing you can do mm-hmm. is kind of like the only way to release the pressure that's gathered from a day of being a one-dimensional lobbyist whore which is yeah. what everyone who works in Washington everyone who works in Washington yeah. DC is that they're all whores they're all whores <laughs> they're all one dimension they're not yeah. just whores whores is whores is fine they're one-dimensional whores yes. they're like whores for a single master very yes. very fucking dubious master well you know people will think like oh Vegas all the whores in Vegas and like what about the whores in DC but well, the whores in DC are way worse <laughs> and it's the yeah. and they're disguised in moral righteousness yeah. which is the big problem which is what I love about, always have loved about Vegas is it's absolute lack of pretentiousness we're honest you know and like I I like that about the city uh, but it's it's unusual in that way it's yeah. the most honest city in America. It is. It's not even... I've always said this, and people have always been like... This is one of my earliest defenses of Vegas, like mm-hmm. when I was a teenager as a libertarian and so on. People would be like, I don't get what you mean. What, is you, what do you mean? There's, you know, it's all, all this... There's all this foo for all There's, there's all, this, all this artifice. Yeah, there's all this artifice. It's, everything is fake. What do you mean it's the least pretentious city? Yeah. And I'm like, use your fucking head. Yeah. Be a little subtle and nuanced. Can't you understand of what course. I'm trying to say? Well, we like the artifice. 
it's fun. garish about its vulgarities. Yes. It's not secretive about its vulgarities. It's not deceptive yes. about its vulgarities. It's just right out there in the open. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it's kind of like the honest, the, the more honest version of Hollywood too. Yeah. Because Hollywood is kind of, you know, it's kind of a, it's downstream from Hollywood. Vegas yes. is very downstream from Hollywood and a, a boomerang from Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And Hollywood, is, you know, sells the possibility of. Uh, moral redemption, artistic this, art, you know, there's a lot of possibilities which Hollywood sells and sometimes succeeds in getting. Yeah. But most of the time, it's kind of just, you know, of, uh, what Vegas offers, but in, in gift or different gift wrapping. In a, in a different medium, because like yeah. film being the main thing, the main export from Hollywood is so different than the shows here in Vegas being an in-person activity. Yeah. And like, what happens, the idea that what happens here stays here because, like, you have to be here physically to experience the entertainment. Yeah. There's a kind of difference there. And, yeah, you don't yeah. really export it. It doesn't export it the way Hollywood exports yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the thing that most connects them is just this, the dream that the, that's being sold. Mm -hmm. um, and here, glamour. yeah, the glamour, the... The, the possibility that you you are uh, the you know this the king who can get rich overnight and make mm -hmm. and and yes. and have all the women you want yes. and all this sort of thing anything can go and anything can happen you know the, the, mm -hmm. the, all these dreams which are kind of they're more obviously false here mm -hmm. as much as they are more literally like you know graspable because yeah you can win the jackpot sure yeah, yeah. Um, but but ultimately it's like yeah, it's, this is a bullshit lie that you're going to yeah. engage in for two nights and then go, and people, go home. Yeah, people indulge for a short period. Yeah. They, they know they're indulging here. Yeah, and they, they, they fall hard at the end. Yes. And they tend to know it, just like from a, a drug. So now we have the exactly. onanism. So this is the kind of French section from like the Belle Epoque or kind of the early uh, 1900s. And um, one thing that I love about Vegas is that we are the Paris of America, which when I say that, people are like, are you serious? But we are, and we have this connection with Paris where a lot of our shows actually had a direct connection to shows in Paris, um, and a lot of the costumes were designed in Paris and, and shipped out here for the longest time, like the Lido, for example. And when you think about Paris, people have this kind of two types of Paris. There's like Audrey Hepburn glamorous fashion Paris. And then there's the dirty, dingy Moulin Rouge prostitute yeah, Paris. And, and we're, you know, we definitely fall more in the dirty dingy. dirty, dingy. And when you go to the Paris casino, a lot of people go to the Paris casino and they're like, what the hell is this? Where's Audrey Hepburn? Where's, you know, like, uh, all the beautiful glamour because the Paris Casino actually is giving you dirty, dingy prostitute Moulin yeah. Rouge. Yeah, it does. Which I think, I which I love. I think that's so like fun and authentic, um, but it shocks people. But this, so this kind of Parisian area, I think, kind of highlights the connection here between well, us. A lot of people like if you have you been to Paris? Yes. Yeah, I mean there. There's a lot of dinge in oh, Paris. Yeah. There's a lot of like, and it's not just in the Pigalle area where Moulin Rouge is either. Yeah. It's like. And now with the immigration. It's, oh, well, that there's taken it to a whole new a level. Whole other but it's very there. easy to experience the, you know, and it's glamorously seedy to us. Yes. Like it's very glamorous. So it is glamorous, but it's also you know, seedy is seedy. It's not like, yeah. 
So yeah, the Paris is always, I've, I've, I've had some interesting experiences at Paris. I've stayed there several times, especially when it was new. They had a, their first months of their buffet were out of this world and then it went, it went like most buffets, it went down to, yeah. to the crapper. Yeah. But within the, that first year, it was like this magical buffet that was great. Nice. Like, I've at, never eaten at the buffet. And don't go anymore. I mean, it's yeah, shit now. Most of the buffets are not. The wind used to have a pretty good one. The wind used to be good. It's kind of gone downhill, but Caesars is the best one right now. Bacchanal. Oh, okay. Yeah, but if you're ever... Them. Yeah. It, it's, the Mandarin Oriental, when it was the Mandarin Oriental, not the Waldorf Astoria, had my favorite buffet. This is an interesting so pair of balls. This is a giant um, penny penis. Oh, a penny penis. It's made out of pennies. I don't know really what the point of it is, but it's here. Well, it looks very <laughs> chocolatey as a to you know, it, in consequence. That's true. I guess that it's a hundred thousand dollar penny penis. So yeah, it's thousand dollar so, penny penis. Does that that doesn't does that mean there's a hundred thousand dollars of pennies? I Because that's a lot of pennies. I would be surprised if that was the but I'm assuming. Well, why would they call it the yeah, why would they call it a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. I forgot that it was that much. That's a lot of it is, yeah. pennies. But it doesn't look like it can possibly be that many, but Yeah. You know, so, Just how, yeah, like how men are. Like the, money. Men are like money machines. The penis money is just to be penis. treated like a money machine. Yeah. Uh, Squeeze of all its net worth. These are more Parisian. More Parisian artifact. Yeah, pamphlets. Yeah, I mean. Paris has been for, for on the for, on the vanguard of sexual uh, the sexual imagination for yeah. for pretty much for a long ass time. Yes, <laughs> time. So yeah, I like this little section. They have some old books. Um, How to be happy in Paris? Ooh, that's a good well, <laughs> very euphemistic, <laughs> I'm sure, about what the content. Is that that guy? some infamous guide to all of the different sex scenes in Paris. I don't know if it's that book or another one. That would be a good title for such a book, though. Yes. So, they used to have a stripper pole here, but then they took it down because I think too many people were falling off it. Uh, of course. Um, oh, I love this. So, this is a timeline about uh, free speech and pornography that you can tell was, like, written by one person on, like, Word. So, because there's like typos. There's also like little things about Harry Money himself personally. So like, I wonder if he wrote it. Um, and then there's just like, you know, these naked, 90, very 90s. Very 90s, shaved bush. Yeah, no bush Barely legal type girls. Yeah. Like, yeah, barely, also barely legal. To keep you interested as you read about um, Regina V. Reed and yeah. Commonwealth v. Sharpless and Commonwealth v. Home. And, you know, um, 1915 is the or the when the earliest porno porno film was made in the U.S. 1915. Yeah. Um, like oh wow, that. the the there was a suit against the highest court in Massachusetts upheld the conviction of a bookseller for the sale of one of America's best novels, Theodore Dreiser's An American Tragedy. <laughs> wow, I do, I forgot that someone got yeah. 
arrested for selling that. Stupid censorship. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. I, I'm, sh- that, I'm, I'm sure Mencken was all over that case. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the big, he's really one of the, the reason Dreiser was so big. Yeah. Became so big. Yeah, you um, see as we get into the 30s that things start to kind of get crazy. Yeah. Um, oh, United States versus one book called Ulysses. Authorizes uh, authorities seized the book Ulysses, and it became a legal issue as to whether the book was obscene in law. The book contains explicit words such as "fuck." Um, and the new and then he held the book to not be obscene and established a new defend the judge established a new test holding the book not to be obscene. Whether a particular book would tend to excite sexual impulses and thoughts must be tested by the court's opinion as to its effect on a person with average sex instincts, what the French would call le homme moyen sensual, who plays in this branch of legal inquiry the same role of hypothetical regent as does the reasonable man in a law of torts and the man learned in art on the questions of intervention in patent law. This decision established the principle that a book must be treated as a unit and may not be judged by individual passages taken out of context. Imagine being the, the man, the person with average sex instincts who's wheeled into every yeah, case. Yeah, where'd they find that? Yeah, to like test whether something's <laughs> pornographic. Yeah. And of course, most of them would fall asleep by page two of Ulysses and not before they can uh, engage in the, the art of onanisme. Of course. But yeah, it's so, you know, there's is interesting because you know again there's a very pro free speech pro pornography sentiment obviously in this museum so a lot of the uh, exhibits kind of deal with that yeah and that that's why like this is just kind of taboo now and i've brought friends here many times over the years and i brought a friend here once from uh, new york and she had gone to the sex museum in new york and she was like this is so much better because apparently the one in new york is so like you know uh, Tumblr sexuality and like all that kind of crap, and it's just been turned into really like something that's not titillating. Yeah, this is what I'm hearing. I've never been there, but and this is so kind of hodgepodge and random. Um, but yeah, so and then the rest of it deals with more court cases and censorship and like landmark horns and everything. Um, and then see like things about Harry Money himself. In 1966, Harry V. Money receives first obscenity arrest for showing Russ Meyer's Mundo Topless. Wow. Topless world. <laughs> so uh, I... It's too bad. Is Harry Money still alive? Do you know? I don't know. So in my last episode in Vegas, I in I interviewed John Staliano, who got, I think is the last man to get arrested. Right, for, yes. To I get like that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be it would be cool to talk to Harry Money, and I love the fact that his yeah, name is literally Money with an H. I don't know if he's still, if he is, he's probably very old. Oh um, sure, yeah. But yeah, he owns all the Little Darlings strip clubs here, and I think that kind of finances this museum. Like this museum certainly does not make a profit. I would right. guess. <laughs> so, but. Uh, oh my God! Look what the first Blue movie was called in 1951. Smart Alec, starring oh, yeah. Candy Bar. <laughs> Candy Bar. Smart Alec, known as the first blue movie, it is sometimes referred to as the deep throat of its day. I have not seen Smart Alec. We need to find Smart Alec. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh.
Why is Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination on this list? I know they kind of put, they had to put some filler, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe just to contextualize. To Okay, you know, this porno, this 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 dick movie is banned, uh, yes. and then uh, Kennedy gets assassinated. Yeah, this... and, then, and then there's members of the Black Panther Party are indicted on charges of conspiring to blow up five department stores in a police station. In it, on the same day, Mondo <laughs> Black <Yeah>. Mondo Freaks <laughs> and Ivory is banned. Yeah, is upheld in the court. I'm sure there's a porn based on that day. Yeah. The Vaginal Orgasm, written by Anne Cote, is published. Is that a myth? Well, um, I think, well, no, but I think that she was kind of challenging the way that Freud framed it. Oh. Vaginal orgasms are very real, <laughs> and okay. not in the way that he, because he did something when he framed it like the vaginal orgasm is more mature than the, like, clitoral orgasm. So, Oh, there are different there's different regions regional yes. orgasms in the yes. for a woman. So you can Interesting. orgasm externally or from internal. Oh, so, yeah. And what was his what was the what was his falsehood exactly? What was the what was his point? I think it was she probably took issue with the way that he framed it, and I don't think he understood like how the clip worked. So it, that seems to me like this was like a feminist text, you know, that also probably presented new medical discoveries. I haven't read it, so I yeah. maybe I should look that up. Yeah. Because it's definitely not a myth. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's written by a woman, so clearly yeah, hopefully there's she would a, know. You would, you would think she wasn't trying to pick be a pick-me on that. Hopefully she's not like some nun who doesn't know anything. Yeah. It's like, if the, if the vaginal orgasm is so real, how come I haven't had one? <laughs> yeah. That's like a, a real thing that women will of course. say, though, or sad for them. Um, Precedent in the female, in the female form of argumentation, is often whether they have done something yes, exactly. or felt or whether wanted something. Yeah, they like it or not. Yeah. I love that Easy Rider premiere. This is a point on this. Um, yeah, Easy Rider <laughs> premieres July 14, nineteen sixty nine. Woodstock. Jackie Onassis. Kick flips Max Finkelstein of the New York Daily News while he is taking photos of her as she leaves a New York NYC showing of the film I Am Curious Yellow, a film that goes on to be the subject of obscenity cases in 23 cities. And she, Jackie Onassis, Onassis kick flipped the paparazzo. I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty base. I didn't yeah. realize. She's, I usually kind of like regard her as an annoying figure. But if she kick flipped yeah. a, a journo, that puts her in my. Yeah, I never really had strong feelings about Jackie O because I've never had strong feelings about Kennedy. It's just so, so over. It's just they're just it's just overset. We're so oversaturated yeah. in Kennedyism, and yeah. it's like they are like Americans can't make fun of the Irish because like for believing in leprechauns because we do believe in leprechauns. We just call them <laughs> Kennedys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it just goes on and on forever to the point that there's a fucking Kennedy running for president now. Oh my god. Oh my god. And everyone thinks he's JFK too. No one even knows the difference. Oh my god. They're all just like JFK Jr. Oh jeez. But. Um, yeah, and then let's see, what else? Uh, Pornography in Denmark, directed by Alex Dorenzi, is banned in New Jersey. The documentary illustrates the sort of pornography that became available in Denmark. Well, okay, well, what is that? Give us some more. Well, 
info. Okay, oh. this one's interesting. In 1971, Black Exploitation begins yes. with Marvin Van Peebles' Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song premieres. Yeah. Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I haven't seen that. I've seen like uh, Foxy Brown in, in the, the movies with Pam Grier where she's coffee. Oh. You know? Yeah. With the fro and everything. Those are fun. I mean, I'm sure Tarantino's all up in that shit. Yeah. Yeah, that was Have you read Xaviera Hollander's The Happy Hooker, which sold 16 million copies? I have not. Or that seen the movie? fun, though. Have you? No, but I... Yeah, it does sound fun. Made into a movie in 75. I bet Jack has seen it. Wait a minute. All cigarette advertising on TV and radio ceased in 1971. That That's, seems like a really long time. That ago. seems so long because I felt like I grew up with cigarette smoking, but you know, it could have just been that it was in magazines yeah. and billboards. I guess now that I think about it, I've never seen a cigarette commercial. Yeah. So. so uh, just it's one of these like fake like memories. Yeah, it seems like a false ago. memory because I felt like I've seen them when I was, you know, until until like they decided to ban all. All advertising for cigarettes, but I guess that was just this in magazines yeah. and like billboards. Now here's one. The article, so June 1971, the article "Cocksucker" appears in the first issue of Fag Rag magazine. The article explores the political significance of fellatio, and then it says, I guess, in the same year that "Homosexual: Oppression and Liberation" by Dennis Aldmus discusses the political and theoretical issues raised by a sexual liberation movement created yeah. by homosexuals. Have you read that? No. I, is I it, have not. Is it? Have you heard of it? Before this. His name is not familiar to me. Um, the political significance of fellatio is that people, is that mediocrity suck dick to get their way to the top. That's the political significance of fellatio. Yeah, I'm wondering what exactly, like, what is the I'm sure it's like angle a, here? Yeah, I'm sure it's like a, there's a whole thing about the rebellion from this or that or the, the other thing. Yeah, there's all that. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of that sort of tedious. It's interesting how, like, because I'm familiar with all the, like, you know, lesbian feminist stuff from the 70s most of which I'm not really a big fan of but it's still like interesting history that happened you know so I'm like familiar with all that but it was kind of funny to me to find that there were a lot of similar texts and like a similar movement among gay men where they kind of also took on a certain political identity where they would claim like I'm assuming that the fellatio thing they're probably claiming this is uh, an affront to heteronormativity and it's us liberating ourselves like I would imagine they're probably saying something like that because that's kind of the vibe of like lesbian feminist stuff about like cunnilingus and stuff right know? well so. the, the interesting thing that I think has come to light in, in, in recent years now that like the novelty of being a cocksucker has worn off the, the, the shine <laughs> is off the knob or whatever <laughs> the like is simply that women for the most part don't seem to do it or enjoy it like mm -hmm. and and there's like all of this media is even in the sex positive 90s 2000s mm -hmm. there's so many media there's so much media hinges upon like uh you know what you can do to to psyop a girl into giving you head as if yeah. it's this horribly torturous disgusting thing yeah. which the game which is like in gay world it's like yeah, it's a completely it. opposite point of view. Yeah. They love it and they do it at a degree. They do it at a level that like 
makes, I'm sure, the female blowjob seem like watching the WNBA. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I, you know, I can't mm-hmm. know for sure, but... Yeah. And I'm sure some women can break the... Can, can, can break that yeah, mold, and I, but... Yeah, I don't... Because, like, from my perspective, it's kind of like... I'm just confused by the whole thing. Because, like, I don't understand, like, if a woman is straight, like, why wouldn't she be into that? Like, is it the social connotations? Like, what is the... What nope. is the explanation? The only rela- the only uh, explanation is that women are just not that into sex or men, and they and it's more it's more of a you know it's that it's that uh, the theory of women who like who like like them like to imagine themselves being adored yeah set more than they actually lust after a man yeah and that's which really I don't know if that's sad. I don't yeah I don't know how, to what degree that's natural and to what degree that's social conditioning mm-hmm. and you know pride and this and that or I whatever. think a lot of it is the social pressure from other women like yeah. from other like from the coven you know it's yeah. like uh, especially over the past decade you see the way that women have pressured other women into like towing a certain line and because like I don't know I just it's sad to me to imagine that straight women don't like sex at all or I don't know <laughs> I don't know that'd be very very sad. I cause I also like because I deal with a lot of like uh, boomers and older people. It seems like there's generational differences. Like uh, I think that you know people who like women who are under like forty, like there's just a notable difference there. Like I think boomer women, like Gen, even Gen X women are like tougher. Like there's more of like a you know because they were would have been alive during more of the kind of quote-unquote cultural or uh, sexual revolution so there's more of this like yeah you know go out there and and uh explore whatever yeah that seems to have kind of recoiled over the past decade or so it has recoiled because it, because now it's as as it has been has been noted you're not even allowed to show a woman giving a blowjob in a in a simulated half-baked sex scene on TV or movies. I know. It's always the other way around. It's always the man getting yeah, in. Yeah, getting cunnilingus, which like yeah. many women don't actually like cunnilingus that much, which is like a thing you're not supposed to acknowledge, but it's true. Not all women really like that. I'm so glad to hear you say that because you're the second woman in a row who's told like there was a. I was hanging out with Zach and his friend Ava mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in LA, and she was like, she forbids her her man from giving her kind of <laughs> yeah. just not one penalingus and yeah. she thinks it's degrading to the man oh which interesting is based. interesting but, yeah but she also just obviously doesn't get just not yeah. into it like so well and that's the thing is that like it became this it then became, yeah, it became this, this like political, fucking moral yeah I yeah, know like it, it's, men it's, it's had fake. to do it and it's yeah. like well no because not all women even want that and like yeah. it was just weird to see it be, like I saw it take off on the internet yeah. and I'm like why is a sex act being turned into like a meme that you have to do to show you're a feminist like. <laughs> well, it, it's sort of a tell anytime like that becomes a rallying cry, like to get eaten out. You could just you just know that anytime like women demand anything too specifically, too passionately, that's also sexual because yeah. of the, how little they generally care about sex. It's a little bit fishy. Yeah. Even though I totally see why. I mean, to me, anything involving anything to me, sex is one step removed from cannibalism. So eating out is perfectly normal. Yeah. Sounds fine to me. Well, I, don't know. I mean, I think that oral whether it's male or female oral is degrading but that's part of the appeal right that's the whole point i know (laughs) it's like it's degrading and it's like well yeah but that's part of the appeal imagine doing something elevated in in the sex act something so yeah something uh 
something noble. <laughs> we I want to have a noble section, noble yeah. uh, romp. Okay. Yeah. So this is. Uh, oh, Heron was Bosch. Wow. Oh. Have the world's longest sex bike here, but now it is whatever this, this is. This is a Hieronymus Bosch tribute. That's so funny. Yeah. The garden. Yeah. The garden of civil rights delights. That's so funny. That's cute. This is a very. This is the most Vegas moment yeah. in the entire really museum. What, can you pose and yeah that on the yeah go to the just there in between the penis and the and the and the podium yeah like the podium yeah yeah that's it beautiful doing my Vanna White yeah doing your Vanna White yeah, I tried nice. <laughs> uh, altar to the Trillium Orchid Pentalis, because this is a penis. Mm -hmm. An acceptance and celebration of the single most representative male shape, the pentalis. See, even that would be like controversial in some circles now. Right. Like that's why this museum is kind of interesting, because they seem to be somewhat oblivious to, you know, trends. Trends. <laughs> this is cute. Yeah, this is so. Uh, Oh, they got an asexuality yeah, so placard. Yeah, trying to explain what that supposedly is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I, no comment. I well, <laughs> I can comment. It's fake. It's fake and it's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, some people are just always going to be naturally inclined toward not toward being too shy mm -hmm. to just deal with all of the. Oh God! Look at how hideous this entire wall is yeah. with these like ARP style. Age and sexuality, impotence, partner gap for seniors. Among older women who are widowed, I mean, I guess it's a sad, thing. like, why do we have to deal with it? Among older women who are widowed, divorced, or single, finding a partner can be difficult. According to several reports, we make up the majority of the elderly without partners. Yeah, because they outlive men who they nag to an early grave. <laughs> so this part, you know, uh, they're trying so to do, they're trying to do, like, Jibbity education, Jibbity. I guess. So, that's... <sighs> that they're trying that, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, there's more fun stuff uh, upstairs. I think around... Oh, okay. Let's do that. This is like totally new. I don't really know what this is. Catherine? Another Catherine? Or the same one? And why she... They're trying to make her look... Guitars, but what is this Catherine Gorton's guitars? Van Halen? So we have a Van Halen Funko Pop. That's okay. really sexy. And we have a Catherine exhibit with no clarification as to yeah. which Catherine this is. So is this a movie called Catherine? Because it's got these same pictures. What the fuck is this with Catherine? What is this movie? Um, how do we define sanity? How do we reconcile the two? 
Okay. The story of a haunting woman. The oh. story of a woman haunted. This is an AVN award winner, so this is a one of those pornos that was way too... Oh, so it's like supposed to be a deep... This is like a deep porno that seems way too over-ambitious. See, that's what... Because contemporary porn is really not great. And because like you, you either get something really hideous like shot in 4k and it's yeah. like people who don't seem to want to be there yeah or it's something like really over the top like this which i can't imagine which, that this is all that erotic it sounds a little bit horrifying it sounds like some sort of like it just sounds like a showtime i think this is like this is part of it yeah which this looks like they're trying to do some game of thrones kind of yeah like they, they somebody poured in a shit and then the best music it was the music was by eddie van halen and Lauren Alex, so they actually did it. They bought. They they wow. like paid for that. So this is like a big budget porno, that was some for some reason. And uh, now I want to see it. Fun, yeah, now now we're now we're like now bought I'm like, it. I gotta see. What, yeah, see this like massive. Is this it? I mean, I'm like. This hundred million a, dollar porno. There's a lot of build up here. There sure is, and I don't see a single. I don't see a single like sexy sexual thing in this entire room. Yeah, so. Yeah, how did it qualify for the AVN? That's what, yeah, anti-porn. <laughs> it is so, so minimalist, yet maximalist. Yeah. A billion dollar budget. This this look is very... Um, that guy's a porn, I recognize that guy's face, the porn oh, okay. star. But it, it this looks creepy as fuck and horrible. Yeah, I, is someone gonna get off to that? Like, oh, no, so that's like, what's his... Sewn up? Yeah, the face sewn up. The that's sun. not sexy to me, personally. Sacred sin, the sewing scene. Okay. I mean, you know this. You know who this appeals to? This probably appeals to like millennial steampunk women. Mm. Like, yeah. That's probably why it was successful. I like, guess. I could see a certain type of woman being into this. So. That's a nice statue. The the shush statue down there. That's very. <laughs> yeah. Reproductive rights and reproductive wrongs. There's one about how does an erection work. Oh god, this is a horrible sex ed. Like, yeah, this is, sen- this is sex ed. This is like giving me the creeps just the layout of the pla- of these posters. Yeah, but this, this part here where they have some of the ancient yeah. penis pipe, whatever these are. Oh, these are nice penis pistol looking things. Yeah. Rabbit phallus is one. Penis on one end with rabbit on the other end. Oh, there's the rabbit. So there used to be a whole thing about like homosexuality in the animal kingdom. I guess they got rid of that. It was fun. There were like these gay lions. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure some of those Siegfried and Roy lions, or those are tigers. <laughs> they had some lions. My um, a family friend used to live next door to Siegfried and Roy. And Sometimes their little like crocodile would get in her pool, and then she'd have to call them. And one of them would come over, and he'd be like, "Oh, baby, come here!" Blah blah blah, and like start kissing the little crocodile and pick it up. Oh god. <laughs> so this is um, very deep, obviously. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, they're doing porn, playing porn so over there. A, this is the Star Wars porn. Ah. Uh, can you? Can you? There's a yeah. Well, he's really railing her hard. Yeah. I wish they had the Chewbacca part on. 
I, the thing I've never liked about porn, professional porn, look at yeah. this Cleopatra ass porn. So, is like, his dick is like just barely in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see that he's not going all the way in. It's just like like and, and dipping a tea bag. He's barely in the frame. He's barely in the frame, so. which is which is yeah, it takes me out of it completely. But then even if you focus in on the dick, it's like you're not even seeing it go all the way in. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why is it stopping halfway to, for is a break? Is it just the speed? Is it he, just because you're supposed to go so fast? I just think that he's. I think that it's a way of. If I were to guess. It's a way of um, preserving uh, his stamina. It's a way of like going longer. Mm-hmm. I think like if you're doing that, it's less. You're less yeah. likely to reach the finishing. That makes level. sense. Yeah. You see, it's like very. There's like these techniques for never yeah. stopping. Yeah. So, yeah and it's just is so joyless. It's just like. That's the thing that I don't like. So much contemporary porn. It's just so... You can tell that people don't want to be there. Yeah. You can just tell they're not into it. Whereas when you watch, like, vintage stuff from, like, the 80s on back... Yeah. It's, like, true freaks who are really there because they want to be oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's totally different. They gave up a career in, like, insurance to be there. You yeah. You know, like, they, they're doing what they love. And it used to be that sometimes nice girls and nice guys would do porn because it wouldn't necessarily be discovered whereas now everything's on the internet so you can't like have a secret porn life yeah so you you only get a certain kind of person who's i think sometimes desperate for money and just kind of like wants to find a way to be famous and they're not really into the sex itself yeah and also and yet the yet they 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 choose to like kind of completely become a kind of corporation, a corporation, like their entire lives, and it's just, it's it's hotter when either a they're really freaky and doing it clearly, mm-hmm. or b they're they're like trying to make a little money on the side from their real life, and you can just tell how it's like they're awkwardly doing this. Yeah. This. And they seem normal. Thing. Yeah, and they seem normal, and they seem like, yeah, that's like way hotter. Yeah. And that's something that has really fallen off in gay porn. Like as recently as ten years ago, you had all these gay porn kind of you know uh, uh, see, like see whatever they're called like companies or whatever that mm-hmm. really did you could tell like these were like first timers like broke straight boys things like that yeah which, did you ever watch that show the there show a, there was a reality show called, called broke straight, broke straight no. boys oh, is I it love about it. the porno it's oh I love that show it's one of my favorites where, do you, where, do, where does one watch it used it? to be on YouTube but I've it was about that company so it was run by this gay guy um, and, and he just would, you know, get these, like, straight guys to do gay porn. And he, they all, like, lived in a house together or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I remember thinking it was really interesting. Dreams, goals. <laughs> those, yeah, that, it was evident. Like, there's, so, you know, you see those, like, some of the most, there's still, like, the most popular pornos online, if you, yeah. fi- if you can find them, where it's just, like, so obvious that this guy's doing it for the first, second, or third time in his life <laughs> and is truly probably straight or at least yeah. cl- cl- at least you know straight jacent yeah um and, and yeah there's the, a whole you know it seems like um older generations of gay men like i'm friends of older gay men and they say that it used to be that um frauding was more of the thing oh interesting you know? yeah that's gone out the window and now it's all anal and they're and they asked me they're like they were like do lesbians do top and bottom and i was like what and they yeah, were like, what's, yeah and they were like 
because everyone keeps talking about top and bottom now like it's this identity thing and they were confused by that old because, gays were yeah it's yes. older gays because it wasn't this like identity when they were young yeah. that it's turned into now uh, where it's so like weird and rigid yeah it's very recent I think the top bottom yeah. thing and where it's uh, your identity or whatever yeah and it explains why you never see it in in any of the vast amounts of like you know not vast amounts, but like you, know, you hear about, you know, anytime you like read Tennessee Williams or yeah, Isherwood or stuff. Yeah, yeah, you never hear such specifications. Yeah, oh, I love Chris yeah. Isherwood, John Bacardi. Yeah, I mean, problematic age gap. It was right. <laughs> it was well known that Gore Vidal only ever topped, but mm-hmm. still. I like. Do you like Gore Vidal? Because I, I like him. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him for sure. I have to. You know, I'm I'm going to give him more of a chance because mm-hmm. I I just bought Myra Breckenridge from a used bookstore in mm-hmm. Barcelona. I will read that. I will read some of his essays on sexual stuff. You know, I'll I'll try to. I like his essay on pornography. As, yeah, I'll try to. I went because the thing is, like, I didn't. I dismissed him before I was ever gay because I was still mm-hmm. a Republican at the time before mm-hmm. making the tra- before mm-hmm. the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And so, when now that I'm now that I was led to being gay, uh, I have to kind of give him a. I have to refresh my yeah. understanding of what he was about because he did seem like a pretty he seemed pretty fussy about it to be honest he but was, he yeah I don't agree with him on a lot of things politically but he also is someone who um, when you try to categorize his politics in the contemporary moment he doesn't translate very well in my opinion because like the current moment is so um like bifurcated into different camps that when he was writing it was a different time Mm -hmm. he has this long essay about uh it was this really kind of hilarious takedown of this homophobic jewish woman who wrote this like screed against homosexuals and it felt like something you would read in the current moment you know like twitter and he totally like demolishes her and you know, but then at the same time, he's is he progressive? Is he conservative? Is he this? Is he that? It's hard to categorize. I've found. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I think he's interesting. Yeah, he's definitely definitely interesting. He he had I think this like, you know, one view of him I remember an analysis of him from people who knew him and stuff was that he had this resentment at America for like being so prude overall kind of prudish mm-hmm. to to his. Like he felt like, because he was he had this aristocratic background, you know, mm-hmm. he's related to the Gores or whatever. Fuck. Yeah, he came uh, from a political family. Came from a political family, and I think he there's one analysis of him is that he wishes he like his he had to he had to resort to rough trade basically, mm-hmm. and also to going to Europe and mm-hmm. and chasing tail there mm-hmm. where it's much easier. For, and he, I guess he felt some people felt that he resented that he was never given the kind of like aristocratic leeway to just be a you know, mm-hmm. uh, dignified homo, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, like it, like boys delivered, delivered to him, like <laughs> as he would have in Europe, where mm-hmm. and instead had to resort to yes, that running them down. That yeah. he, he does kind of have this almost like putting on airs, kind of like I'm a patrician homosexual. Yeah, I shouldn't have to be. Yeah. I shouldn't have to be. And that can be like annoying in his his thought. You know, like I do think that's kind of irritating. Yeah, it's irritating when it colors everything. It's irritating whenever, like, a grievance, because it's a grievance, basically. Yeah. Like when, when you let your grievances, even as legit as they may be in mm-hmm. whatever context, mm-hmm. 
when you let your grievances color everything, it becomes a problem, you know? It yeah. just become annoying. And when it's like, I can't do this thing in my sex life, so America is bad. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot yeah, of that exactly. now. There's I'm a lot of that like, now. I'm yeah. like, how did we get from A to Z here? Um, yeah, everyone's always, it always blames America for everything. Where's the, well, here's a cunnilingus depiction here in very fine uh, etching. What the hell is this? So, a feather? Where, what do you mean? That? What, like, what is he doing here? Yeah. I think he's just fingering her. Oh, because then what is this black stuff? I, I think, is that his, I don't know. That's is that from, his hair? Doesn't seem, it's, it that's is. like, a, it's either like a big extension of bush or it's a, supposed to be a shadow or it's a feather that he's sticking in there. It's very interesting. That's what's in, yeah. So yeah, again, no info about what exactly this is, but, no. um, let's, oh wait, here we go. So, Latvian artist known as Rohan worked in Paris. He was a famous children's book illustrator, but he also did erotica. Um, so this is... A story without words telling of an encounter between two elegant travelers who meet and their passionate taxi ride together through Paris and their lust-filled evening at a um, Maison de Passé. So, so this is a very, this is a, this is an illustration in many different panels of, I guess in 12, 12, uh, 12 prints, uh, an illustration of a classic cruise cruising hookup in Paris mm -hmm. in 1933. How romantic. This is you nice. cruise in, a, in, the, in, the, in the train, and it's like a brief encounter, and but magically uh, consummated in every position. How sweet. Oh, look, they're just taking her from behind. Then he disappears. I'm not sure where the, he went. Ah, you at the end. That's a fair, That's the moment, right? The, he's just gone. It was just. It was just a was figment a of a single Parisian night. Yeah. But they did every position in the meantime, including the feathers, <laughs> and including like you know caressing her from behind, and then she gets dressed up again, and then she takes it off again. They're definitely round. He spanks her over here. Fun. Fun stuff. Yeah. That's what so Paris the, offers. Yes. Okay, this is new. This is Pablo Picasso. Title oh, unknown. This is new. Driving a man behind the curtains observing a couple in bed. Aha. Uh -huh. So this is a little kinky little doodle by uh, Mr. Pablo Picasso. Yeah, this is new. That's cool. They added this. Based Picasso. Pa pa uh, what was it? Pablo-matic? That fucking thing that Hannah Gatsby curated... What was that? In Brooklyn Museum, like, Hannah Gatsby curated is a... Is that that, like, uh, gender goblin... The gender goblin, quote-unquote, comedian person, mm -hmm. les oh like, that horrible lesbian thing? No, no. She curated a Pablo Picasso exhibit to accentuate how problematic he was and bad to women. Did anybody go? Like, who cares? I don't fucking know, but it was... That's so... It happened, like, and that's civilization. No, it's, it's horrible that she has a career. Like, She's I don't... One of the most I'm just like, who is this for? Because I don't know anybody who likes her. So I'm like, who, who it's, is there yeah. listening to that? People who want to feel like that they're doing something sophisticated. Like, it's just a word. It's just That's a so shittiest libtard thing. That's very sad. Well, she, she's lame and she will be forgotten, hopefully. I hope so. 
There's a lot of her to forget. <laughs> What's this? The egg. This is a very. Yeah, I really. This is really very dark. Um, girls who cut themselves in middle school vibe. Yeah. So. Exactly. Train? Yes. Oh, nice. There's penises hanging from the so wall. Then these are some wall penises, I guess. Wall dicks by Bruce Zache or Zash or Zaki or whatever the doorknobs it's called. Oh yeah. Actually, I wouldn't mind having one of these in my apartment. You know, just to like hang things you that can I hang your hat. On hang a hat. <laughs> hang your jacket so you don't have to put it away. <laughs> Honestly, you know, if you're hanging, it's not going to be vulgar because you've got something hanging over. And then there's a surprise underneath. Exactly. As soon as you take it off, whoop. Yeah. I hope we still have uh, the horn. There's more Picassos here. These are all Picassos, I guess. Oh, wow. So they did a big accession recently. Yeah. None of this was here. Retrieved from Picasso's own sketchbooks. These are from 64 to the early 70s. So this is old Picasso. Yeah. This is about Picasso on his deathbed trying to sketch himself a little excitement. Yeah. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah. That's the thing is, the reason they want to cancel Picasso is because... He was horny. He was, his paintings of women with their, like, you know, the disfigured faces, they're too realistic. That's the problem. <laughs> they hit too close to home. This is a fun little, like, uh, scissoring depiction. Oh, yeah. And there's two guys frauding. The great scissoring. Yeah, frauding, yeah, yeah. Frauding, frauding, sword fighting. Frauding is, frauding is when the, you put the two penises, like, you line them up, and you, then you use one hand, or... Yeah, I, you know, I'm not 100% clear. I was, I was kind of under the impression that, invo- that it involved, uh, like, it involved, like, using your foreskin to kind of, like, connect the two, but oh. maybe that's just deep frothing. That's maybe really that, if you're because yeah. if you're cut, how does that how's that going to yeah. work? So yeah, maybe it's just putting the penises together. That's 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 a natural that's thing that people do. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's what I'm saying. Like older generations say yeah. that was kind of that that, that makes main, sense. That's just the like main event. yeah, that's and that makes sense and, and, it, and it's wholesome. Honestly, wasn't as much of this. No, this is very yeah. This was, um, but this you know these are depictions of Which from the ancient I mean, times. Gay male yeah. anal has always existed, that, but it just seems like. In the current moment, there's like a exaggerated kind of emphasis on it. To the well, point to the point that people are identifying like according yeah. to it, according yeah. to it, you know. The erotic men from the Mughal era in India. Oh, these are Indians. I like this. Taking pictures of this one before, but yeah, the infamous scissoring. That this infamous, the infamous scissoring. Unfortunately, it was turned into a political question in the 2010s. Oh, wait. How did scissoring become... Explain to me how scissoring became controversial. So, a lot of it, again, has to do with blue is the warmest color, though there was, like, debate prior, but it really kind of um, solidified when blue is the warmest color became subject of controversy, and so in blue is the warmest color, the two women scissor for part of the uh, big main sex scene and then mm-hmm. it became this like subject of debate as to whether or not that actually happens which is so annoying to me because I'm just like 
imagine if people were to try to turn any other sex act into like a question, like if people were to be like, well, straight people never do missionary or whatever. Like it's just so silly to me that like it became this thing where you had to defend the existence of a sex act. Like I had to defend that, yes, it is something that people mm-hmm. do. It's just so annoying to me. Um, and then some people would claim like, oh, well, scissoring only happens in porn, which is not true. So. I can't believe lesbians had to like counter signal one of the few sex acts available to them. <laughs> That's so weird. It was really annoying. Here's more sodomy from the in from Mughal. Mughal style? The Mughal era was considered to be one of the prosperous eras in India. The unabashed portrayal of homosexuality in social scenes, sexual pleasures can be noted in the artwork. This suggests a social consciousness and progression for its time. So the Mughal era was hella gay. Apparently. Um, and prosperous. Well, hello. Oh, and then this one, he's wearing a dress. Oh, there's cross-dressing? Yeah, there's cross-dressing anal in this one, which is interesting. Oh, wow. So, and there's heterosexual depictions with the same kind of faces and characters. Mm-hmm. How interesting. So, if we go this way... What the hell is this? Oh yeah, this is a... Um, hundred women chasing... It's just called a hundred women. And I don't... Like, it's like a hundred... It's a hundred women, and I guess this is supposed to be a judge. And then... These are... New people... Who are they chasing? A, this is obviously a very specific political... Yeah. ...thing. This is nasty. Poverty parlor, Harvard. so she's okay. a woman on a toilet in the middle of, of weeds with a toilet paper. Okay. Yeah, probably an abortion. Oh I'm guessing. I don't know. Oh it's boy. nasty. Some toilet paper for it. Oh, do they have it in clothes? That's such a bummer. So the first and only time I have ever seen Kim Kardashian sex tape, it was in this oh, circle here no. where they used to show celebrity sex tapes. They also showed a lot of Tila Tequila who I was a big fan of back in the day. Oh, damn. Are you a fan of Kim Kardashian erotically? You know what's weird is that when she was first famous, I thought she was hot, and then she went through a very like heavy, heavy plastic surgery period where I thought she was off-putting, and then now she's kind of horseshoed back around to being attractive, but she is kind of weirdly asexual. Yeah, that's what my way. friends, that's what my, my best friend says about male thinks about her, that mm-hmm. she's like, like there is something asexual about that in still images she looks very asexual but when she's actually like talking and like yeah. she seems like a person then she actually becomes kind of attractive but she she had some kind of rough filler thing going on for the past like decade that she's kind of 
toned down recently, so she looks more like a person, which is nice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is. This is the grooming. Uh huh. Exhibit. So this is um, the exhibit that um, whenever I bring people here, they're like really shocked and appalled because this exhibit is actually kind of uh, poking fun at and almost celebrating women teachers who preyed on their male <laughs> <Yeah>. students <laughs> so it's this kind is, of like yeah it is titillating yeah. okay i see what they're doing now yes yeah, so it's can all, boys it's all women yeah gender and sexual coercion grooming it's a, i love how it's got quote, yeah, it quotes on, quote marks around grooming Supposedly. can boys and men be the victims of sexual coercion at the hands of women yes <laughs> <laughs> predatory behavior knows no gender male victims of sex you can just imagine the tone this is being yeah. Male victims of sexual abuse by females often face social, political, and legal double standards. Some cases in the United States have received increased attention and sparked, okay, blah, blah, blah. So this is like educating, like, so very educational. You know what's kind of becoming more and more apparent to me every time I come here? I feel like initially Harry Money probably put whatever he wanted in here, and then they had to kind of HR mm. explanation. Yeah, they had to kind of to make it seem like, no, we're actually presenting this to raise awareness. I think the actual intention probably is presenting this because it's like, what if your hot teacher wanted to bang you? Yeah, well, here's a... Okay, so I, these are obviously not real newspapers, but they look like newspapers. These are real cases. These are real cases. Yes. So, like, okay, the top one... The, this, this headline says, Lafave had performed oral sex on the 13-year-old boy. And dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. And the rest is written down below. yeah. yeah. So, 34-year-old teacher begins an affair with her 13-year-old student. Um, ongoing relationship with her 13-year-old student. Sleeping with a 14-year-old male student. 16-year-old male student, quote, groomed, unquote, for a relationship. Zoloft made me have sex with my 17-year-old <laughs> student, oh. says Nicole Long, a 29-year-old English teacher. She was arrested on charges of sexual battery of a 17-year-old male. And By the time the charges came to light, Long was nearly seven months pregnant. Oh, wow. Though it was never revealed if the, fa if the father was a student or, the, or her husband. Not then you've got to die for, so she claimed. <laughs> not once, not twice, but three times? Oh, my God. So, wait, this says... Um, text messages from Ragusa to one of the teens were released in August of 2008, including one that read simply, I loved today. The sex was amazing. The boy replied, yes, yes I, I know. know. All, All caps. caps. <laughs> <laughs> we're so making light of this. It's like, obviously, you know, yeah, insert whatever. disclaimer here, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, it's, 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 this yeah. is wrong. But uh, it's, and it's, it's really interesting how a lot of the boys seem to be quite okay. excited about. Second coming at the American Inn. <laughs> I mean, he's having fun oh, with these lines. Crime against nature. See, I, why didn't I have a teacher like that? Quote, to develop the whole child through educating, dot, dot, dot. Wow. She looks like a real whore, Jill Lewis, 26-year-old. Speech journalism and computer teacher. Well, there you go. It's like not even at Livingstone's Christian School in Alvin, Texas. Damn. She was arrested for having sex with a seventeen-year-old student along a deserted road. I mean, that's just 
She's just like that's like sounds like a Lana Del Rey song. Yeah, deserted road. Sex. She's cute. Did everything except having sex. Carrie McCandless. Yeah, she's. They're all kind of cute. Yeah. If you look like, at it. They're all kind. Of, it, it all makes sense, you know. Oh wow, you're telling me the 17 year old fucked this 26 year old teacher. Yeah. That's no. Really shocking. That's horrifying. But yeah. Dana Bobo. And like some of these are mug shots, and like you know, you're not in your most flattering light. Mm-hmm. Virtually every day. Wow. Sexual intercourse in multiple locations. She doesn't quite know what she's actually done. <laughs> Having sex with a 17-year-old student three times a week. Teacher of the year 2002. Fairy tale gets physical. Tracy Tapp. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Oh my, okay, look at this one. I know what I'm doing. I watch CSI. Oh my god. Black male to have sex with her students. What? She was fired from her position after allegations of sexual relationship between Giselle and at least one 16-year-old. She was charged with two felony charges of rape. As details emerged, three students eventually claimed to have had sex with Giselle and also told authorities that she had supplied them with alcohol in the past. It was also learned that during a school trip to Florida... So where's blackmail? She says that she was forced to have sex through blackmail and... I don't know. It doesn't I don't say see where anything. it is yeah, about the blackmail. They don't really yeah. explain what exactly happened there. And who even knows? Like, how accurate some of this stuff is. Erotic selfies sent to two 17-year-old students. We talked about it like it was no secret. The fall of hair. The longer you, you, stay, the longer you stay in here, the, like, sadder you get. Because yeah. it's just like... Because it's just like, really? It's just We're like, just, like, destroying these people for their... You just wonder, I mean, yeah, like... Oral sex on a 17-year-old football player. Oh, the humanity. Uh, he said like, she was okay. <laughs> Virtually every day, as you say, a teacher of the year 2002. Younger than 16, according to affidavits. Oh, boy. Rum, Tylenol, and NyQuil. What's the headline there? There you go. 14-year-old boy abducted me. <laughs> Four-year affair with 11-year-old student. Oh, shit. 11 She went, girl. this is Carmina Lopez. She went into hey. the yeah. into the cradle. Yeah. Steamed up windows and two people moving around inside. Well, <laughs> let Dinner him in has a movie enough. with a side of oral sex. <laughs> sex in, in the, the elementary parking lot, my dear wow. Watson. Elementary. Gave the boy a ride home after cross country practice. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So it's just it kind of gets. More depressing the longer you stay in there. 20 years for three months. Of course that's fair. Have you uh, ever heard of um, George Hamilton, the actor? Mm, I don't believe so. so he, he, was, he says he wasn't an actor, he was a movie star. Um, and he was called the King of the Tan. And he is mostly known for being kind of a gigolo, basically. Mm-hmm. He slept with like every single woman in Hollywood ever including Elizabeth Taylor, but he wrote this uh, memoir called Don't Mind If I Do, and he talks about how he had sex with his um, stepmom when he was 12, mm. and she was God knows how old, and he says, he, the way that he frames it, he's like, it was fine, like, it was good, like, he, he's not, and so it's just, I feel like men and women do view that kind of thing differently, yeah. you know, and it's weird how we kind of can't acknowledge that, but like... Yeah, because it's just... 
there's nothing we have to everything has to be kind of one size fits all yeah at all times because i mean he was not he did not have any regrets about it he seemed to be like yeah that's great and then yeah but then people would be like well it turned you into a gigolo yeah which like you know i mean it probably did have kind of a hand in that but he didn't seem to have any uh regrets about it no but but what if he was born to be a gigolo is the question yeah oh now they have the uh all the porn terms porn terms let's see if there's anyone we don't recognize zoo style zoo style down and dirty okay Oh, okay. That's just, I'm really... Toss salad, we know. Smurf, slapping someone in the face with your penis. Teabagging, we know. Shrimping, the term for licking or sucking your partner's toes. Oh, that makes sense, because they're like shrimp. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Pearl necklace, okay, we know that is. Mm -hmm. Money shot, we know. Golden shower, we know. Golden screw, that's when you urinate inside. Oh, wow. Okay. Gangbang, we know. Fluffer, we know. Dirty Sanchez, uh... Uh, it's nasty, right? No, wait. after anal sex, wiping off the dirty penis or hand on the upper lip of your sex partner face, face to simulate a mustache. mustache. Okay, I didn't actually even know that, but now it makes sense. That makes sense. Daisy chain. Uh, several sexual activities. Several people are stimulating each other's genitals simultaneously. Okay, that's whatever. Couch audition. Oh, well, oh, that's yeah. the casting couch. Casting couch. Butterface. We know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's educational. Again, it's all yeah. about education here. Well, it's all about education. Here's some wax figures having oral. So, oh, so they do have some porn on. So they they used to have, like I said, a whole bunch of porn on in that room over there. Like, oh, okay. Right, right. In, in a circle. It, it looks like he's fucking, a, like, just a... a a doll, a sex doll, mm-hmm. you know, on the top, right? Yeah. I really do, sometimes you really think, is someone getting off to this? Like, do people yeah. actually get off to this? I mean, I guess any, anything will do for some people. Yeah. And it's in, like, this, like, even this, like, slapping, he's smacking her in the face, it's so mechanical. Yeah. It's so, like, okay, like, you can hear the director saying, okay, smack her again. Yeah. Okay, smack her again. We need four, okay, four times. Yeah. It's like yeah. so. Just, they just like you just imagine they're so tired and they're just like oh god. Yeah, I just I, it's like I'm watching someone struggle at the gym. Yeah. Know? Especially without the sound, it's like you're just watching people struggle through a workout at the gym. Yeah. It does not seem like a fun industry to be in. Like, it seems like exhausting. Yeah. Not for me. Oh, here's a here's a guy in the peep show with a glory hole. Is that a glory hole or what? Yeah, it's a glory hole. Here's the, here's the, this is, there's... They they took away the penis. They took away the penis, but there is a guy over here crouched down. Oh, it's a man now? I think it used to be a woman. I guess they're being more culturally... They're kind of like Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't really know what's going on with that wig. Yeah, or it's like uh, Mrs. Bates. (laughs) Yeah. Young like it hot. So, 
On this wall, there used to be a painting of um, a trans woman who, when I knew her, went by Rebecca, but then started going by Angel and went on to be one of the co-hosts of Girls Chat with the infamous Elvira, Elvira. of TPN drama fame. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so um, Rebecca was like very big on Tumblr and like I like followed her on Tumblr. We were friends on Facebook. Um, this was like years ago. So I, I came to this museum for the first time and I see that there's a painting of her here and I'm just like what the hell? And so I messaged her. I was like, do you know there's this painting of you here? And she was like, oh, no. And so there was just this painting of this kind of like famous, weird, niche, famous transgender woman thing here. And unfortunately, she died. I'm pretty sure she took her own life like a couple years ago. So I don't know if that's why they took it down. But yeah, it used to be here on this wall of transgender Tumblr words. It was Good a very God. bizarre sight. It was very like weird and morbid. Um, oh. But, yeah. This is about transgender people, I guess. Yeah. Buck Angel. Buck Angel. Okay. Then this, they really emptied this out. They used to have weird... Like, uh, Magnifying glass over an anus. <laughs> okay. They used to have like weird art, like weird fan art crap in here, like uh, doodles of centaurs having gay sex, like that kind of thing. Yeah. It was very funny. Uh, I guess they kind of At first, this piece appears to be a cross between a rifle and a scrotum. That was the artist's objective, to create visually what guns have become besides the obvious. Guns have long been a political tool, a sign of lack of weakness, okay. nationalism, <laughs> freedom, or even a substitute for male inadequacy. It seems fitting in the artist's view that since a gun is held by some in the same ranks as religion, the Bible, or a won war, that the true driving force behind the gun is joined. This piece was created in rural Nevada with equipment powered by solar energy and was featured at the 2014 Burning Man Festival in Black Rock City. So, that makes sense. of course, this is like a, like a, a desert lib, yeah, a hick yeah. lib shit. Yeah, Nevada okay. is a very interesting state because Vegas and Reno are very different than the rest of the state, which is very Wild West ranching. Yeah. Uh, very small towns, so there's always a kind of tension there. Yeah. Carson City is a tiny town too, right? It is. It's the capital, but it's very tiny. What's that? What was this guy doing here? Oh, this is another peep show type of situation, or oh, this is like. So I think, this yeah, cute. he's looking at. Right. Yeah, he's kind of. Kind of. 
they called them coin coin girls or coin boys like mm-hmm. if you like people would go into a booth and put in coins and then they would watch uh you perform and you wouldn't be able to see them mm-hmm. but i uh, i know a guy who was a coin boy and he said that you know because he couldn't see through the glass uh sometimes the guys would be waiting for him outside of the shop so yeah. it was kind of dangerous in that sense um so as we conclude this tour i wonder what like you've come here a lot mm-hmm. and what what how what kind of like what do you feel like spiritually draws you to this place <laughs> i think it's very vegas and i like how it seems like someone's passion project and a lot of museums there's like this board and there's all these kind of committees and there's all this like you know uh focus group kind of stuff and this seems so hodgepodge kind of thrown together that i find that kind of charming and there's a lot of politically incorrect art in here and they seem a little bit offbeat they're not quite like uh towing the line completely on contemporary sexuality politics they seem to be kind of lost yeah but i like that because it kind of gives you this variety you know so i just i have always found it really charming and um every time i come they they've kind of changed things up a little bit and added stuff and so i don't know it's kind of a celebration of the obscene i think it's very fitting for the city and people people always find it really interesting because it's not like something they can see at their hometown or whatever wherever they're coming from yeah, it's a it's an eccentric. It's a collection of it's an eccentrics, like collection of pornographic bric-a-brac, mm-hmm. which has really, yeah, uh, not. It's not. And what you know, Vegas is so is is strange because it's so it's such a constructed out of. It's construct. It's such a constructed city, like out of mm-hmm. you know thin air. It's a testament to the will of you know engineers and visionaries and that, yeah, yeah and curves and yet it's also rather chaotic like mm-hmm. it's not lo- it's driving is not fun mm-hmm. because like in the sense that you know it everything looks like oh that this hotel is right up the street from that hotel no 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 there's yeah. gonna be 50 different weird turns and curves well the strip was not designed no. for the volume of traffic the rest of like vegas is a big city that's sprawled out so like outside of the strip roads are great but yeah the, the strip itself the strip was is not, so weird <laughs> it was not like designed for the volume of i mean the tourists we get like 42 million tourists a year you know it's it's yeah very true the it's crazy. Is crazy it's it's weird it's just not like it's not um a hundred percent it's not it's not the most straightforward place but also what i've noticed is that for a city of like I, it's less so now, but up until pretty recently, this was a city of extreme transience. Like, mm-hmm. this is people who yeah. failed in LA, mm-hmm. bounced here to like get back on their feet, driving a cab or or dealing blackjack, mm-hmm. and you know, like you, you met all kind. I remember that there was a as a kid, one of the cool things about Vegas was always that the cab drivers would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. They would always like be character, like real they characters, are, yeah, which are. is what Taxi Cab Conve- Confessions probably also stemmed from I it like wasn't just a, it wasn't yeah. just the people in the back it was yes. like the cab drivers were actually very engaging because they were they were trying to 
start a new life. Mm-hmm. Like they'd been through, they'd seen a lot. And they were from all over. They're from all well, over. That's why Showgirls is so accurate because it shows Nomi Malone just hitchhiking into the city. Yeah. You know, um, and if she's like this mysterious uh, woman with a troubled past, you know. Yeah. And then uh, when things don't work out in Vegas, she moves on to L.A. where she thinks people are going to be more honest. And she's in for a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. But it is very, that's a vi- that is very much the vibe. There be, this is full of people with coming here for a second chance, third yes. chance after a troubled past. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like, you know, in some ways similar to L.A., but, but a more extreme and more a kind of a more, um, just, a, just a more frenzied version there is a sort of community that's built here, and it's mm-hmm. not—it's not a—it's com- not—it's not lacking in community, and it's not lacking in, ident- in identity. It's become a real place. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long that's been. It may only mean the last twenty years. It's but it taken has. off in the last. It was slow going for like uh, a while, but then it really took off in the past twenty years or so. And there's more of a sense of our history and our importance as a city, and there's less transience. And in my experience. The people who are from here are pretty normal. It's the people mm-hmm. who move here who can be kind of weird. Well, and yeah. I encounter people who are like, oh, well, Vegas is so, um, you know, fake and people are such liars and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's always coming from people who have moved here. Or it's like, yeah, but it's also <laughs> and like, I'm like yeah. where, where are you getting? Because that's, that's just same not, with LA too. yeah, it's like not my experience with like the people who are actually from here and so you know but people always have those like preconceived notions yeah I mean that I've, I've made I have the same kind of um, thesis about the, the the way that LA gets shit on which is based mostly on the behavior of its transients and in recent people who yes. are coming specifically to play act the uh, Hollywood mm-hmm. life that they dream of because mm-hmm. they saw it on some reality show mm-hmm. that's where most of the bad stereotypes come from yes. and the, and the LA native character personality is actually very un, very little known to anyone mm-hmm. except those who live there and who see it and like this is something obviously I've been I've been um, paying careful attention to recently as mm-hmm. I kind of take stock of everything mm-hmm. and it's very different from what anyone really knows like and it has it's not really even it's not even really considered as a thing because people are just yeah. more interested in the I've always gotten along with people from L.A. You know, I yeah. think that, like, people from L.A. and I have a lot in common. And so, like, yeah, I've always, like, had a good relationship with people from L.A. Superficial, I mean, the, the on, on the surface level, something that connects the two is that other than being, like, sprawling desert cities, um, obviously L.A. has a lot, has, is more diverse than desert but mm-hmm. um, you know LA feel, LA to me is like the world in miniature it has so many different countries in it basically yeah it's a huge place and it's kind of a place where America and even in some senses the world is on trial at all times mm-hmm. um, and Vegas is also a place where if you live here mm-hmm. you're dealing you know 42 million people a year mm-hmm. are just passing through yeah. from all over the world yeah so you're dealing with the entire world in a different way because they're just they're tourists yeah, and in LA it's more yeah it's on the strip yeah so it's on it's the kind strip of contained to the strip and it's contained to their revelrous yeah. uh, behavior or yes. like more than their real life behavior more Even than their day like, to day yes, exactly. so it's a different experience of the world but it's the world nonetheless it is yeah 
But, you know, one thing that I, I like about Vegas is the Strip is, when you think about how many people are on the Strip at any given moment, how many people come in and out, it's pretty safe considering. And it's because the casinos make sure that things are kind of law and order. Yeah. And they, they won't allow, uh, you know, violent craziness right happen like you know that's why vegas didn't really suffer from some of the kind of problems that have plagued other kind of uh metropolis you know yeah. environments because things have to be safe and clean for the tourists and and there were moments where that actually was not the case um mm-hmm. they're famously and i've seen like the only time i've seen like yeah, oh, the only like time I have fled years. a shooting mm-hmm. was in Vegas, was on the Strip, where like there were these guys, black guys crossing the street, guns. Mm-hmm. Like there was one of them was bleeding, and one oh of them clear had, clearly mm-hmm. had gun like in his pocket. Mm-hmm. They were like there was a shooting like within. When was this? This was like t- maybe like two thousand and nine, ten, okay. eleven. Yeah. And it was like you know it was this was in the post recession, yeah, depression think, years yeah. of Vegas, mm-hmm. and and for and also there was a, there was an NBA All Star game here one year. Also in the late two thousands or whatever, which apparently was mayhem because it yeah. was full of. Without getting into details, you can kind of do the math. Full of NBA but, fans. Yeah, NBA <laughs> fans. It was full of NBA fans, and apparently it was so bad that like people were afraid to walk, uh, to walk from like one hotel to the next door hotel, and they were just waiting yeah. in long cab That's lines. That's why I don't want us to get a basketball team. Like, yeah, we're we're becoming this big sports destination, and I'm like. You guys need to be careful about that. Yeah, I mean, I think if they have a basketball team, it's just going to be whatever. But in specifically, the NBA All Star mm-hmm. Weekend is like a is a mecca mm-hmm. for NBA fans, mm-hmm. and and maybe not always the most yeah. uh, the most safe, the, the most uh, law abiding NBA fans. Yes. But yes. Well, but now we have the Raiders. So now you have, yeah, now you have the Raiders, which is actually the worst thing you could which possibly have as a local wanted, team. Nobody wanted, but we got it anyway. You so. got them. <laughs> you got them Raiders. Yeah. But 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 more to the yeah. But you're right. There's a lot of. I mean, overall, you know, when they're when when they're on their game, they're mm-hmm. very, you know, it's very well privately regulated. Yeah. They have, from what I understand, this is a great place to get a heart attack because they have like an underground system of ambulances at the hotels where they will mm-hmm. rush, they will get you to a hospital yes. at a high level very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my aunt had a heart attack in the, at the wind. Oh, really? Yeah. And apparently that's what she learned that like they had, oh, okay. they were super, yeah. super efficient mm-hmm. at like whisking you straight to a hospital through like underground means. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've heard. That's what I. That was. Their I haven't experience. heard that, but that, I have to look that up because that would make sense. Look that up. It's an interesting yeah. component because another thing you you don't see strangely, not but it's not strange. It's just it's because of their hyper vigilance. You never see anyone passed out mm-hmm. on a hotel at a hotel. You mm-hmm. know, unless maybe at the cheap shitty ones. I don't know, but like any of the decent ones, you never yeah, see no. it. And yeah. you you know they. There gotta be people passing out all the time. Like yeah. people are so trashed mm-hmm. all the time. You, you never see anything ugly happen yeah, right before well, your eyes because they'll just whisk it that. away. Yeah, it's unsightly and it'll make people upset. And they're here to have a good time, so we yeah, don't want you can't, all that. You can't show that. You can't. You have to like so. The, and they're super. And like everyone is on guard for that. I mm-hmm. mean, even to the degree that they've policed my fucking. I took out my weed pen, mm-hmm. um, which was t- and like somebody immediately like comes up to me. Not even it was just was a. This is my pipe, not my pen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, like one of the just random security immediately like eyes me. She says, "You can't smoke that in here." I'm like, "That's okay. I'm looking for you to go outside." Mm-hmm. But like there was a, 
they they're, they're yeah. like watch you like a hawk. It's similar to Disneyland. Yeah, they they have cameras everywhere. Everywhere. Every move. And any littering is immediately removed as well. Yes. You don't see trash anywhere. Yes. And I I like that about living here because there's certain kind of old school values live on here that yeah. have gone by the wayside in other cities but yeah there's a certain uh, mafia family aspect that is still enforced and what and that's yeah it's funny because you know it used to be run by the mafia now it's run by corporations but the thing about vegas is it's like um the strip and the bulk of the strip is in unincorporated paradise nevada which uh isn't technically Vegas hmm. legally, so there's all these kind of ways that Vegas is actually privately governed, and it's privately governed pretty well. So there's all this kind of Ayn Rand interesting yeah. stuff going on here. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget, um, like right when I got into Rand and you know libertarianism and everything, and I came on and I came on a trip, like right around there, whenever that was, or I was, you know at the age of 15 or 16, and they were boasting about how this is the uh, the only when they had that monorail they installed that monorail that yeah. connects you know the hotels mm -hmm. which I've never haven't taken forever because mm -hmm. um, it only makes sense if you're one of like the far out hotels but mm -hmm. it's like they were saying how it's the only completely privately funded monorail in the entire world or mm -hmm. something like that yeah like, there's one okay there's one that connects in city center as well and then there's the older one and mm -hmm. i wonder if the one in city center was also entirely privately funded but yeah. i would guess probably yeah yeah i would guess yes but so we have that going for us yeah <laughs> privately funded public transportation <laughs> i mean what can what more can you ask for yeah and and now i you know i believe that this there is a i wonder if a, a great deal of um, a great deal of progress in terms of Vegas kind of becoming a self-respecting city where people actually feel like they belong here and they actually you know I feel like a lot of it might have been forged by hashtag Vegas strong mm -hmm. and before that the recession when things got really bleak yeah. but not everyone could leave yeah. Which is a lot of what transients do is they get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. But not everyone could because at that point the mm -hmm. city had grown so much that like, and it was growing yeah. so steadily for so long. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing I'd love to get the stat on. Like Vegas's growth as the fastest growing city in America had to be uninterrupted for a long time before that crash. Yeah. That's what I'm curious it about. It grew a lot from... Just from like the eighties on. Eighties on, just yeah. Just kind of kept going. There was a downswing at some point, like in the eighties or seventies. I think casino is kind so, of about, but then. Yeah. So in the eighties, um, when gambling was made legal in other places, and like something about the opening of Atlantic City to gambling, yeah. there was kind of a lull. But then along came Steve Wynn to save everybody. Steve Wynn, yeah. And then things shot right back up, and then there yeah. was pretty steady growth until the uh, housing market crash, and then things were pretty bleak. And yeah, I think you're right. You know, I, I remember that period very well. A lot of people stayed, um, and then the the Vegas shooting definitely brought people together and kind of forged this notion of Vegas strong, like Vegas as a city coming together. And then the Golden Knights. Golden Knights was a big one. Was the, a big the thing, hockey team for those who which, don't know. Which which I I like the Golden Knights. I'm glad that we have 
a hockey team and I'm glad that it kind of emerged organically yeah. from the city and it wasn't some crap team imported in, from Oakland yeah. that nobody really right. wanted right. Um, and so the Golden Knights was another rallying point so you know there have been these certain events that have kind of shaped Vegas as a city in itself outside of just the tourism outside of the strip you know yeah and I, and I like how yeah you know the Golden Knights who were they're in the, they made it to the Stanley Cup in their very first year as 500 to 1 underdogs mm -hmm. I think that was the ticket so if they had won this which they didn't but if they yeah. had won the whole thing there were all these people in Vegas who had ticket who had 500 to 1 <laughs> winning tickets oh for their, you know God. that they bought yeah. out of Santa like they were yeah. and, and I remember there were all kinds of stories some of them sold it because you could sell it like you could kind of hedge the bet mm -hmm. you know like you can bet you can bet on the other team to win let's say you have a 500 to 1 ticket you bet 100 bucks and that's so that's worth uh, uh, that's worth 50 grand mm -hmm. that one ticket you know you can then bet bet 20 grand on the other team to win the the, the series yes and you guarantee yourself you know 20 yeah. grand 20 25 grand whatever mm -hmm. there's a lot there were a lot of people who held on to the tickets there were a lot there was all this drama about all yeah. you know everyone in town having one of these tickets yeah. uh, one of these bets um, yeah, that was big. I remember. I remember listening because I was listening to a gambling podcast that was based in Vegas mm -hmm. during that time, mm -hmm. and that was a big deal. A gambling podcast. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that, I used I to guess listen those to. Exist. No, they, yeah, there's a deep one that I used to listen to that was actually quite interesting because if you listen to gam, if you follow like gambling sharps, mm -hmm. um, I have I've I, I get into this on the other on the back wall. I haven't really gotten into it on this show, but I will one day. But like, if you follow the gambling sharps. It's, it's literally the only form, it's the only form of analysis, now it's about sports, but it's the only form of like punditry analysis, opinionism, whatever, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that actually is held accountable, mm -hmm. like ev to, to the dollar. Mm -hmm. So these people's opinions are the most informed opinions yeah, that anyone to, has about anything, yes. about anything in the world. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because every, every, everything is cost some money, uh -huh. you know, down to the penny, so. Yeah, um, that'd be nice if there was some more liability like that. I would, that's exactly what I feel. <laughs> now, there's a whole cottage industry of sports opinion that's absolute horseshit, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the big guys on ESPN, all this stuff that are talking big and, you know, making their picks. Yeah, that's I see all just, weird stuff now where they, don't they have like a earpiece now pitchers when they're pitching oh god in the uh, MLB they have an earpiece and they're supposed to talk they're supposed to chit chat while with the playing. with the booth oh yeah. god that yeah they're really they're doing all this weird stuff yeah now. just like you know all this like infotainment which is like whatever that's what it is but that but it's just funny because you have all that yeah. these guys make millions and millions giving their opinions and then people talk about their opinions like oh this guy picked this team to win mm -hmm. just look at the Vegas look at the yeah. look at the book sheet what are the odds of the game mm -hmm. that's the opinion that mm -hmm that's the most accurate yeah um by a lot that and like sense. it holds up and yeah so it, in a way it's and, and when so when you listen to these now if you care about sports enough and then you're able to listen to these people and how they form their analysis mm -hmm. much of which is mathematical but the key differences are not ca like mm -hmm. math that that goes into like the base you know where the, the the math is everyone has their algorithms for how they decide how good this team is and how good that team is and then they the difference yeah. is what this point spread you know what yeah. the, and uh, um but beyond that when they're looking for like well who's these are probably this is a every bet is sort of like an even the odds are supposed to be as accurate as possible which mm -hmm. side do you take well that's when it gets into a little bit of philosophy and artistry and like mm -hmm. having all kinds of 
other theories about why a, a certain game is going to go this way or that way. Well, you have to know the players. You have to know the players. You have to like speculate all kinds of things. Do like, they even get? The, do they get into the players' lives? Like, they get into the lives. What of if they, he eats this, or what if he travel? You know, what uh, if he's sad? Yeah, what if he's sad? Yeah, no, literally, what if he's sad because yeah. he had, he just did da-da-da-da-da, or yeah. he's playing in a city where that was super emotional to him. Mm -hmm. There's a million different things. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some more consistently pop up, but that's what made it intellectually interesting to me, is like mm -hmm. hearing why these guys come up with their, enough yeah. of an opinion to like bet a lot of money yeah. on a certain outcome. That's a very special thing to sports, because it, yeah. Yeah, it's not really you can't really find it in another realm because sports is you're betting on men. Mm -hmm. And everything else is what like you're betting like on a number. What if gay guys start betting on their divas? Well, gay guys are like there's a part of the gay male brain that does not do gambling or numbers or anything like that. I've noticed like That'd they can be cannot, really bad if they started gambling on their divas. Yeah, no, cuz they would just be too they would just go after whatever they liked and they wouldn't. Yeah. You know. But there's a, a lot of money. they'd lose a lot of money. But there are interesting possible new avenues of betting on humans. Yeah. That I think are yet to be explored. <laughs> Did I just put something out into the world? I think so because I've been th I've been thinking I've had an idea for a while. I'm mm -hmm. trying to like develop into like fictionally or whatever. But like, like how would you bet? Like, wouldn't it be cool if you could just bet on people? Yeah. Not like just not even as a not a, not as a profit thing, but almost as like a supportive thing. Like you see mm -hmm. a young person who's smart. You mm -hmm. think you feel like you're like, you know, I wish I could just if I could invest in a human versus mm -hmm. a stock, mm -hmm. I would invest in that person. Mm -hmm. I would invest in that person. I would invest in that person. Now, how you would pay off. That's a whole different separate topic. Yeah, but that's an interesting in, idea. That's a whole different a whole different capital. Thing. Whole different Imagine thing. turning yeah. that into a into a vast sinister yeah. operation where you yeah. people bet on other people without them even knowing it. That would that may be a possibility. <laughs> Why not? We will see what the we will future see what, holds. Yeah, we will see what the future holds. <laughs> Vegas is not out of ideas yet. That's true. Yeah, we got to keep coming up with new ones. Yeah. New ways to entertain people. And Vegas is also has also, you know, has room for a filthy Armenian because who's one of the big heroes of Vegas? You, even you probably know his name. Uh, Jared. Yeah. Yeah, my mom. Uh, my mom knew Tark. She knew her. You knew yeah. him personally. Oh, but, sweet. Like she kind of worked. Uh, near near him I don't want to say too much but oh, okay, yeah. um, like I I've heard uh, stories about him and obviously he was kind of infamous but he also like you know um, he's a big name it brought a lot of recognition to UNLV and, and when he died uh, they they turned the lights off in the strip for him for a they yeah, had like a thing yeah. yeah like he was like he's like, like he a, a city here yeah, he's he a, was big a big deal, deal. yeah yeah um, my mom like worked in a building close to right. he did and so yeah but yeah he's a big name um, I, I knew a few Armenian kids growing up here there's a there's an Armenian community here it's it's like it's not huge but it's not tiny either it's like it's a you know yeah decent size there are a lot of Eastern Europeans here yeah the Armenians here are mostly from Armenia like mm -hmm. from the post-Soviet Armenia and mm -hmm. like you know re more recent Emigrates because it's a place where there's jobs and yes. you know there yes. have been jobs so there's that yeah my, I mean my, my first movie screened here um, oh, at the Red Rock so nice. I yeah um, it's a thing but he's you know he came here just as a because he was a hot coach that, you know, that they hired out of Long Beach State yeah um, and and he, he did great at Long Beach State 
came here. He was elite here and almost won the second championship in a row. And yeah. they got they, they got screwed out of that, and then they had to fire him because of the NCAA uh, investigation. The, where yes. on, on, during which the president of the NCAA testified, calling him a rug merchant. Oh wow! Which is why, so that's yeah. Where so you get that's where I get. I mean, it's an old slur for Armenians, but really? that, so it was. It was. He didn't invent it, but yeah. he like literally straight up called it. Like would be calling there's someone some, a towel head or some a, old world racism. That's some like yeah, yeah. It was like just in the '80s. It was great. Wow. So that's why wow. yeah. If you're a yeah. So, you know, his hair. I mean, but the thing that I appreciate about the city too is that, like, they worship. They they do respect. They're, they respect mm-hmm. their heroes. Yeah, like we they respect really, our heroes and we respect male heroes, which, you know, that's another one. I feel like that's so taboo now, which is so stupid, but, you know, like visionaries, most of the visionaries in Vegas were male, not all, but most were male, and it's yeah. good to celebrate that. Like, Steve Wynn was incredible, and then, I can't you know, believe many that, before him. Are they going to be... Is there going to be like something that really bothers me? Is that what happened to Steve Wynn? Yeah. Is that going to be repaired in some way by the city? Uh, what's going to happen with that? Because that seems I, really unfair to me. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the business arrangement is with him now, but it's his name. It's his you know? name. So like they can't take that away. So um, they just kind of had to shuffle him off screen. I think. You know what yeah. I mean? Kind of get the hook and just kind of like. Um, it so I I don't know. I mean that may be just between him and his shareholders and whatever, yeah, and not I think not the city. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to blame the city per se. I don't. Did the city have a hand in? I I don't. Any of it? I, I have I no reason to think it did. The, yeah. It was the company. And well, then the all I'm saying is, if when he does go, I hope the city isn't discouraged. Oh, I'm sure they'll celebrate. From yeah, yeah. because he is such a profound. They would be so hero. remiss to, right. to not celebrate. There's a, something by the Marquis de Sade here that I think we may have skipped over. Oh, yes. So this, they have some ancient Roman stuff, and then they have... Um, oh, this is from Bowman Rare Books. Okay. This is, a, okay, this is a, almost something that's like only, maybe only weird to me. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of live in my head to give a shit about it. But last night, I'm walking... We're walking through. I'm, I'm like, I'm well. I'm am coasting on a little bit of the ganja, mm-hmm. a little bit of the the the, the, the green grass. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a you know nice little walking in bake walking in the in the hotel and appreciating the things, the mm-hmm. colors things. We're walking up into the Grand Canal shops, and I'm just I, and and it's like taking me back to all the times I've been walking through shops at Caesar's Forum or whatever yeah. in Vegas or walking through hotels, mm-hmm. and I'm having a little reverie as I want to do mm-hmm. about the retail world because I was in the retail world as a mm-hmm. young kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the stores, and I was thinking, like, I was seeing, like, the just picturing, like, these very, there are all these, like, fancy stores that don't have many people in them at that particular hour. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, I'm just, like, fantasizing what it must be like to run, own one of these stores mm-hmm. and the traffic that must come in and mm-hmm. the random huge sales you would make to make up for everything else being dead. Yeah. I'm just having all these thoughts, and I was, then I start picturing myself mm-hmm. operating one of these stores and having it be just a, a store with with books, the my, like, my... Like, kind of like my erotic heritage museum, except yes. of books and things yeah. like that that I care about, maybe collectibles uh-huh. and stuff. Just like stuff I, stuff I like and find interesting as my store in Vegas at a one of these store? hotels. A bookstore, Would one might say. Buy, hmm. A bookstore, but like a but but not just a bookstore, not just mm-hmm. like a Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. A bookstore, so like a, a, a weird, yeah, yes. weird 
idiosyncratic selection of books and other items and collectibles and I would whatever. Love that. That. Well, I turned the corner mm-hmm. then, as I have this internal thought. Mm-hmm. I turned the corner, and what do I see? But Bowman Rare Books mm-hmm. in the fucking Grand Canal shops, yeah. literally at left of where I, that ha- where I'm walking down. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a bookstore in any U- Vegas thing ever in my life. Yeah, no, and here's a rare bookstore, huh? In the Venetian. In the Venetian yeah. at the Grand Canal shops. Yeah, they the Venetian has a lot of weird shops. That's where Michael Jackson, like, uh, not Bowman Rare Books, but they at the shop where Michael Jackson went famously. Oh. With uh, that reporter guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's also in the Venetian. So the Venetian would be the place. They would play. Where, I had no. Yeah. I, it, 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 I was like, I was shocked, and I couldn't even tell anyone because like nobody cares what I was just thinking about in my own head and like the well, you know is, this moment that I've just had. People don't really come here to read. No. But I'm glad that we have some promotion of literacy. So this is a letter from the Marquis de Sade, or what? From a fine early autograph letter signed by a 27-year-old Marquis de Sade discussing an enigmatic request involving ministers at Versailles and Fontainebleau with wax and present. present. Um, So enigmatic request, is that a sexual request? So it says, so loosely translated it said, it has been impossible until now to follow the affair with which you have charged me the ministers are not in Versailles. I arrived too tired and sick to go find them. Um, okay. In Fountain Blue, where they are, but no doubt my eagerness to do so would do what you desired. As soon as they return and my health should permit me, please kindly, as soon as my letter received, send me a collated copy of your power of attorney. Yeah, it's hard to know. I must beg you to give Madame de Martigan again my kind regards. I pray to tell her that if she finds me anything in that country that she think of me, be it little comic opera airs or novels or new pieces by question mark, Whenever you are persuaded by the feeling that I am Monnier, your very humble, obedient servant, Desade. No, so nobody knows. It's kind of like a <laughs> perfunctory letter that we yeah, could, could be something very bureaucratic. It's very, the, yeah, paperwork. Yeah, it could just be paperwork. <laughs> could be something very some, sexual. Some and, paperwork from Marquis de Sade, which is what we all want to read, right? <laughs> yeah, um, right. But of course they have to have a corner for him. Yeah. And uh, you know what I like about Saad is that Saad liked lesbians because he found us to be more powerful than heterosexual women. And yeah. he saw our drive as like stronger and like had a kind of, I think, respectful fascination with lesbians, which I appreciate. So he was a, an interesting freak. <laughs> and and, and fascinating, yeah. regarding the popular cons- idea that mo- like most women who do lesbian stuff are not really lesbians, what's that your take on that? Like, so you mean like in pornography? No, no, I mean generally? like generally, like there's a sense that a lot of like the lipstick lesbians mm-hmm. are just sort of kind of fallen under the influence of the more powerful butch lesbian, of the, of the psychically powerful mm. butch lesbian. Is that something you find yourself... Uh, no, I don't... You know, there's all this complicated stuff because, like, lesbian as a political identity really became a thing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. in, like, the 70s, and we've never really been able to get rid of that kind of thing as, like, it's a, oh, it's just a rebellion against the patriarchy, you know, so there's all these kind of perceptions that I don't agree with, mm-hmm. and you know, um, I mean, I've personally never really preferred butches, you know, um, but some women do, and 
know. <laughs> I kind of see some truth to it sometimes. Like if they only prefer like masculine presenting. Right, right. But I don't know. I think that um, it's hard to really make a general statement these days because so much of the like culture and history has been kind of demolished and like nobody cares or preserves it or knows about it and a lot of a lot what I notice is that a lot of young people think that lesbian history only extends to like the 70s so they think that like the 1970s on is all there is and it's like there's so much more interesting stuff when you go beyond that like especially like uh early 1900s like kind of um you know uh who's the one that wrote the uh well of loneliness and that kind of circle, like all the different artist circles and all that stuff. Like, I don't know, there's a fascinating history there. But yeah. I, but it's more complicated than that. I, I just, yeah, I think it's more complicated than that. I think it's always been a contested identity category. And again, it kind of goes back to like, is your sexual orientation an identity? and Or is it a description of a behavior? Right. Like all this stuff. You know. Well, in your case, is it an identity? Do you feel like um, an identity? Yes, yes and no. It depends on, like, I have my own idea, you know, but I, a lot of contemporary ideas I do not agree with. Mm-hmm. To me, my sexual orientation is not a political statement. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a girl power, right. anti-patriarchy statement, you know, um, and a lot of people will try to project that onto me, and I don't agree with that. Is it, it seems to me like what, what it is, based on your various reactions, anytime like a certain kind of woman is posted, or you know, <laughs> it seems to me that act, what, the thing that seems to me is the, the key difference between like the virgin, uh, the virgin gay and lesbian versus the Chad gay and lesbian, <laughs> mm-hmm. is that the Chad gay and lesbian has a positive, it's, a, it's like because they love. Yes. the same sex. Exactly. It's not because they hate the opposite sex exactly. or their dads or their exactly. moms. Exactly. That is that's the key thing is that in the seventies the lesbian was framed as um, we we hate men. Yeah. And it was all about men and they kept talking about men all the time and I'm like failed the Bechtel are you talking test. About? Yeah, like they be they failing, failed they be failing they be that failing Bechtel test. Their own test. <laughs> yeah. Instead of we love women, we love women sexually because yes. then that turned into oh well if you love women in a certain way sexually then you're doing it patriarch you're making yeah yeah you're, you're patriarching a male gaze you know yeah. so yeah exactly it's about it's about are you attracted to women are you attracted to men are you, what is the positive framing and not an oppositional framing because so much of the oppositional framing is fuck you mom and dad yeah. you know whenever someone's too like I hate my parents kind of vibe. I'm always like, uh, I'm just not into that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, not no. just, it's not just that I have a good relationship with my parents, but it's just like that often pushes people to do really silly things, you know? Yeah, just like, just, just sort of become like kind of bull in a china shop, destructive kind like of thing. Anything for attention, anything for to like get the attention of the parents that they disappointed or whatever yeah so then it turns into getting the attention of the government or whatever it is or the college or the whatever you know yeah in Uh, place of mom and dad ready okay
Is that good? That's the the, so the, the, the best form of uh, government is is I mean the best president is a dead president, it's right? When they, yeah, when they aren't even doing it. Yeah, I mean look how popular <laughs> Kennedy became after dying. That is true. Yeah. So that was the museum. Very nice. Yeah, it's a it's a perfect Vegas experience, <laughs> to, to be honest. It's perfect. The cyborgasm. Oh my word. Welcome to a cyborgasm in a post-apocalyptic world where sex-crazed cyborgs indulge in intense multi-orgasms or cyborgasms. The myth of the female cyborgasm. Uh, the vaginal cyborgasm. The power source of these is the orgasmatron jet. What the fuck is this? This device is hardwired directly into the pleasure center of the brain, pushing the sensory... Oh, yeah. No, I can see how this is going to be real pretty soon. Like, but like that's not where the vagina is. Like right, it's above the it's vagina. Like way above. Way above. Yeah, the center is way above. I can see this being real soon. Yeah. Because if you you know you can kind of if you're if you if you reach the climactic episode while you're on certain substances, you can sort of you really it throws into stark relief just how much it's like comes straight from the brain. A certain yes. you know like you just feel it coming right from your brain mm -hmm. and going going all the way down and coming out. Exactly. I could totally see how that can be manipulated and yeah. and then they can also manipulate you to prefer you know black bodies and or one all, sex over the other you know one sex over the other or one yeah all shapes and sizes you, they, yeah. they can totally fuck with your sexual impulses well, it's, I mean it's very telling that people can have sex dreams and can climax from sex dreams you know oh, yeah. so that tells you it's all in the it's right up in, in that head. noggin yeah so yeah this is new this wasn't here uh, the last few times I came to this museum. This museum, you just keep on coming. Just keep on coming. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't nothing but a... This episode of Filthy Armenian Adventures was recorded at the Erotic Heritage Museum of Las Vegas, Nevada. Opening, voiced by your host, Alec Mohibian. Supported entirely by the show's patrons on Patreon. Subscribe now at patreon.com slash filthyarmenian to join the enlightened society of rug merchants, cigar singers, and oligarchs of the night who keep the lights on at Filthy Armenian Adventureland. Become a patron if this show means anything to you and you want to see it continue. And you will get the full Twisted Adventure with over twice as many episodes as are available on the free feed. What happens here stays here so long and good night.